Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining the studio this week by the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, isn't it? Yes. And also joining us in studio, you know him from the comics blog on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. It's Brian Rhodes. Brian, what's going on? Hey, guys. So we got a star-studded panel for a star-studded event that's going on this week. And unless you've been ducking social media, which congratulations if you have, because... Hey, hey listen, I straight up deleted the Twitter app until after Thursday. I know. How crazy is that? I ain't taking any risk. Because Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is coming out this Thursday mm-hmm. as we record. Now, it is a very big deal, and we've decided to kind of devote the entire episode this week to Star Wars and kind of breaking down why is Star Wars what it is and where our feelings are towards it as we close a chapter on what 40 years yeah uh, 40 plus yeah of cinematic history right yeah. now I mean it's, it's it's kind of a big deal it's dare I say you can say it's a 1a 1b biggest event in Hollywood this year between that and Avengers Endgame yeah I mean that was the thing coming out of last year you know everyone does the your, you know your 2020 preview articles you know movies and comics and video games and whatnot and at the top of every list you looked at, it was kind of, and you know, no matter who you asked, it kind of depended on what they were more into. You know, oh, what are you looking forward to next year? You know, everyone was going to say Avengers Endgame and Star Wars, but it was just kind of very what you like more. Right. So obviously this entire episode we are devoting to Star Wars. We're going to be talking favorite memories, talking all the movies, talking all the history, because this movie really represents an end of an era. So we figure that it just gives it just due to give it the praise it is. If you want to join in the conversation, you know where to find us. OchoDuroParleyHour.com. It has links to all the social media accounts on there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's where we check. That's where we get the most interaction with. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH when you're in that conversation. So, Brian, let me start with you. When somebody says Star Wars, what does that mean? What's your first instinct? Where does it go from there? Uh, first instinct would definitely be Luke Skywalker. First name popped in my head. He was one of my childhood heroes, still is to this day. Um, and I just think of all the childhood memories I have watching Star Wars with my family, um, especially my dad and my brother. So there's a lot to it. And it's just they're one of those movies that's like they're just they're good to watch. They have good morals in them, even if some of the dialogue can be a little hokey at times but it's just like they're they're solid movies that also changed how you make films today they inspired a lot of different film genres um really took the sci-fi um fantasy level sort of to the next stage um because i mean the the first one came out in 1977 and until then it's like there wasn't too too many sci-fi things like right. this um so it's just <laughs> They just have a lot, like, relating back to my childhood. It's like, I just had a lot going on around them. Um, I always loved the characters growing up. So, it, it, I don't really know how else to describe it. It's like, there's just, it's, it's huge. It's like, it's always been a part of my life. Pad? I mean, for me, it's all like, I'm kind of like what Brian said. It's always been a part of my life. You know, I was, I was kind of born in that weird period where it was after 
the original trilogy, but before the the prequel trilogy happened. And I first saw them when they re-released them in theaters, and I believe it was 97. And, and my dad took me because uh, Sesame Street Live was coming into town, and, and my parents kind of figured, all right, well, he's like eight or nine years old. He's a little old for Sesame Street Live. We got to find something for him to do. It's only fair. And my, parent, my dad figured, well, why don't I take him to see Star Wars? You know, he might like that. And, and I remember going to see it and having no idea what in the world was going on. Like, I understood it, but it was kind of, like, overwhelming for me as a kid. Because to that point, I'd only ever watched, like, Disney movies and, like, you know, Land Before Time and stuff like that. So, like, nothing ever this, you know, groundbreaking. And, and I was really hooked on it, and I really enjoyed it. But it wasn't until you got to the cantina scene where Ben Kenobi slices the guy's arm off. And it's me, my dad, and then maybe five or six other people in, in a theater and I just yell out, cool, that I was hooked. You know, and it, and it slowly developed into there. And it was also like kind of a like right time, right place kind of thing because you had those re-release in theaters. And I only got to see A New Hope in theaters. Uh, my dad, for Christmas that uh, same year, got the uh, original trilogy special editions on VHS. Mm-hmm. And, and so did everyone in my class in, in school. So, like, instantly that became the talk of everyone in school and the movies and the characters and the stories. And it even developed into with my brother that I don't even know how it happened, but it was just one of those things. Like, I think we might have been going through, like, a rewatch for, like, the umpteenth time. And, you know, we were both home from sick one from school one day. And it was just like, hey, you know, you know, next one we got to watch is Empire Strikes Back. And it just then turned into a thing for us. Like, if you were home from school, it didn't matter what you were home from sick from school in. You're watching Empire. Yeah, for me, Star Wars was really the first time you want to talk about like an epic saga. Uh-huh. And I know we kind of throw that word epic around a lot, but this one definitely set the bar. I mean, for me at a young age, I remember when Return of the Jedi came out in theaters. Right. And I had no idea what this deal was. Like, why was it such a big deal? And it really didn't resonate with me until I actually watched A New Hope. I actually, that was the first one I saw. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've always been growing up on comic books, and Marvel has always been my staple. Ironically, like I say now, I talk DC a lot, but Marvel is always my staple. So when Marvel was doing some comics in, in before they lost the license at the first time, that's kind of where I really got introduced. And right. I'm like, well, what's going on here? And then watching New Hope and seeing the saga of Luke Skywalker and his destiny and Han Solo, the you know, chivalrous pirate that is, you know, whiling and dealing his way through the galaxy and Princess Leia, who's trying to find the hope against Darth Vader and just the introduction of all these characters and seeing how they, you know, mixed and matched and seeing where that first movie went was a true experience. And for me, that's probably what got me really into movies at the time because I never was really super big into them when I was young. Right. Once I got older, I mean, I definitely have a bigger appreciation for him. But to see where the saga went and just to see how those characters progressed, because after that I tracked down Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was game over. And when you talk about big shocking reveals, right? I mean, everything that happens in there. And Well, if you haven't seen any of the original movies, we are going to be talking spoilers, but they've been out long enough. So Yeah, they're out, and they're, they're out long enough. There's enough versions, and you can get them easily enough. Yeah, yeah enough said. Disney Plus, if you can get in the States. So, but either way, when you had the reveal about Darth Vader and mm-hmm. his history yeah. and where they really flipped the script from A New Hope, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden where Luke was on Tatooine, and really just a simple simple uh, kid simple kid with just no real future now suddenly is the biggest 
person in the entire galaxy. Yeah. You would have to think. And then obviously going against the ultimate evil that is Darth Vader and seeing the dynamic there. And then once it goes to Jedi, I mean, once you left Empire, it really, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they had such a big cliffhanger. And if you talk to moviegoers that were out at that time in the 80s, that was just the biggest bombshell. And then, I mean, nowadays you don't really find that. Unfortunately, the internet, yeah. for all the good it is, is also a very big evil when it comes to spoilers. Well, the other big thing that came out with Empire wasn't just the giant bombshell it ended on. No one knew if there was going to be Return of the Jedi. Right. Yeah. That wasn't known. My dad walked out of the theater and the movie th- the clerk or whatever, I can't, someone at the movie theater told my dad, because he was like, here, he's like, well, when's the next one? He overheard the comments like, well, if this one doesn't do good, there is no third one. Right. And I also think, you know, not just in today's day and age with the Internet and how easily accessible everything is. I'm not sure you could replicate that where you have no, the, you the right in, in the right set of circumstances, the right story, plot, characters, actors, directors and all. I'm not sure you could rep like, yeah, you might have a movie every now and then where it's like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. But to have something that just, you know bombshell drops on you and just leaves everyone stunned i mean even to this day go to youtube and you can find plenty of videos of of parents showing their kids empire for the first day for the first time and and just watching the kids jaw-dropping reactions i just don't think you can replicate it no because i'm trying to even sit here and think what was the last big bombshell that like you weren't spoiled when you went to a movie to see recently sixth sense comes to mind yeah but i want to say there's something after that that's jumping out I know film Twitter will definitely get oh, on yeah. this and go oh, about yeah. it, but I can't really think of anything that had this much of like a, an impact that once it was you know exposed to everybody that saw from movies, moviegoers, it was just word of mouth. Yeah, and you you don't have that unfortunately these days. I mean, everything is you got to duck everybody yeah. posting spoilers. Everybody that's got a camera, phone is taping and all yeah. that chess. and it really is very tough to replicate the impact of when a bombshell like this gets dropped in a movie. Right, and I know Brian earlier talked about you know, kind of the impact with film and, and directors, and it influenced a lot. You want to talk about an impact that I don't think it gets talked about a lot is with the James Bond franchise, which, you know, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me came out in 1977, the same year as Star Wars. It came out and uh, it premiered on the 13th of July, 1977, over here in the States, on the 7th over in London. Uh, Star Wars had come out a couple of months earlier in May. Uh, that was So the, that was their 10th film in, in the E on production so they were very well established very well liked mm-hmm. uh their next film they were going to do was for your eyes only well obviously that's not what happened they saw the commercial success of star wars and how well that did and all the money that made and they're like we got to do our own so they audibled it and changed it to, to uh, moonraker yeah which i mean that's a gutsy move at the time but yeah. this really goes to show when a movie resonates with fans that much and i mean science fiction has always been around i mean since the dawn of time pretty right. much so there is a market for it so to see this movie really take off and really have that cultural impact to really cross over because it doesn't happen with every franchise you do i mean no. there's certain ones that really hit and really can captivate a country and world when pop culture mm-hmm and it's really interesting to see when that, po- that plays out because, I mean, recently, I guess the closest you could say is the MCU. Right, but that's even like... But that's already been pre-established from the comics, right. it's, so it's, it's, it's pre- tough to say that. It's pre-established from the comics, but it's also a little different from Star Wars, I feel. Yeah. They're like, okay, yeah, it's all interconnected. Yeah, it all ma- you know counts, but it also, you know, it feels like... It, it's hard to explain. It's just like, I get the connection, but I also feel like it's kind of a separate thing, too. 
Yeah, I think so. Bri, you got any takes on that? Well, the thing is with the MCU, it's different characters, different stories, and it all ties into the same universe where occasionally meet up. Star Wars is just episode after episode after episode. It's the same people following them on. It's the, it's the Skywalker saga. Each of the main episodes connects to one another directly. It's not like, yeah, you have your spinoff ones, but that doesn't affect the Skywalker saga. It's literally just... Whereas like Iron Man one will connect to Iron Man to Iron Man two and then obviously Iron Man three it's like okay those are all his movies but then he kind of will interact with all right Captain America Thor when it comes to the Avenger movies there is no Avenger movie for the Star Wars saga no, I, you, I mean you could argue that the Star Wars movies itself are the Avenger movies if I mean if you want to look at it maybe that way. It's it's a debatable topic. I mean, that's the closest we have right now, I guess, for a younger generation coming into this. Yeah. Because for I think recently until Force Awakens, a lot of fans that are younger mm-hmm. didn't really understand the impact. I would say. Yeah. So to see how it's reacting now with the younger generation that first got exposed to the Force Awakens mm-hmm. is really telling that this movie has this much buzz. Right. Because for an older generation, like we've grown up on Star Wars. Sure. That we know the whole saga. Sure. To see the new characters get introduced, like Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. Ray and and uh, Poe and Finn and you know everybody else, to see the new excitement in fans is really a nice thing to see. Yeah, and it, and it was cool to see kind of the younger fans gravitate towards it, especially because you know the only thing you'd really seen since the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith was kind of like prequel era stuff with mm-hmm. Clone Wars and some of the video games and some of the books and and whatnot. So. You know, obviously they're very familiar with, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan and, and, you know, Padme and R2 and 3PO and all that, you know, the characters from the prequels. But to see, you know, how well it's done and just how well they connect to it, you know, I mean, the number of videos you see on YouTube of of little kids at Galaxy's Edge in Florida, you know, just running up to the characters and, and interacting with them is awesome. Yeah, I mean, let's kind of touch upon that for a bit, because when the original Star Wars came out mm-hmm. in 77, yes, to see how it's now transcended movies and become such a big thing with pop culture. I mean, you talk about the conventions that mm-hmm. they have. You talk about how it went into comics. You talk about how it went into TV and the greatest holiday special ever. <laughs> you talk about... It. Of course, it introduced Boba Fett, the greatest character of all of Star Wars. Thank you. I'm glad that you agree with that's me, That's exactly the point of the holiday special. Yeah, that's the only thing you need to take away from it. I'll say the point of the holiday special nowadays is to get a group of friends together and see if you can sit through it without turning it off. Uh, I have done it. And I, 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 but I have a strong stomach, so You're I, can brave, man. I can handle stuff like that. But to see how they've gone too, especially when the movies weren't taking place, mm-hmm. to see how they've spin into comics and right. they spin into right. you know the different books and what is canon and what isn't, and mm-hmm. to see that the audience is still there and it's still one of the biggest and most loudest fan bases of all of fandom. I would say it's the loudest. I mean, it's debatable. I mean, I, I'm hard-pressed to see a bigger one. I mean, Brian, is anything jumping at you about that? I will say, I think, honestly, in terms of fan base, I would say the MCU is probably closer because, honestly, more when I say, when I hear loudest, unfortunately for me, my thing is I see a lot of, like, people are more vocal in Star Wars when yeah. they don't like yeah. the movie. Yeah. MCU is much more like, oh, this was awesome. Go see it. Go see it. Go see it. A lot of the times, unfortunately, when you hear the Star Wars fandom, it's two it's two people screaming about why either the movie was genius or it was absolute garbage, and it's just kind of like, all right, I don't really actually like interacting with the Star Wars fandom that much. No, yeah, I mean, Star Wars is definitely, like Brian said, and like you guys have said, it's definitely the loudest. I think the, in my interactions, the only one that's maybe come close is maybe the, the fandom for Harry Potter, where, you know, they spend entire, you know, forum threads 
debating on the lost 24 hours in the original book from when Harry dies to when he shows up at his aunt's house. That like, oh, you see, the, the book series takes place in the, in the 1990s, and based off of the date they say at the beginning of this, it must, it's just wild. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, Star Wars has definitely established that, and it's very interesting to see the interactions, too. Mm-hmm. Like, and you both have touched upon this very well. It ranges from super excited to super toxic. Yeah. And that is a very fair statement. There's yes. no, and there's no in between. Yeah, there isn't. It's either one side of the coin or not. Yeah. And to see how this plays out, it's very intriguing to see that a, a certain just story can have that much of an impact yeah. on somebody. That you will get some of the most like, I'm trying to find a different word than interesting, but you'll get some very unique interactions Mm -hmm. whenever you bring up a character and you bring up a moment in the movie and the movies have that much of effect and i mean that's just how much the story reaches the fans that you don't really get this interaction in other fan bases no that's i mean the mcu definitely has one and it it also depends too if you've read the comics over the years or you haven't because i know when everything happened in infinity war Certain people were freaking out and losing their minds. Yeah. Well, the others of us, of us have read the comic and said, okay. And out the door he went, and then, oh, how cold. Yeah, it was all like, the, when you read Infinity Gauntlet, it's like you see Infinity War. And you, if you read Infinity Gauntlet, when you watch Infinity War, you kind of laughed when everyone, not in a bad way, like you kind of laughed when everyone was like, oh, my God, they're all dead. It's like, eh, this is me, an, intel- an intellectual I know more than you. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta have that, you know, you know, like you have that sort of almost smug, like f- grin on your face when you walk out, just because it is kind of like you know who are the really avid comic fans in it, the theater. It's like the Game of Thrones. I'll call it the Game of Thrones syndrome, where like everyone's freaking out at the red wedding, and, and if you've read the books, you go, "Oh, you poor soul, you don't know what's coming." Right. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, my biggest for Game of Thrones was when um, Oberyn fought the uh, mountain. There, not to change topics, but it was like. You see people like cheering. It's like, yeah, he beat the mountain, and my brother and I are sitting there like, oh god, this is not gonna go the way you think. <laughs> yeah, but that's just, but that just goes about the different fan bases and how intertwined you are. I mean, I am not the strongest Star Wars fan in the in the realm of fandom, I guess. I'm I'm not either. I can fully say that. And you're talking to the guy who dropped a ton of money to go meet Mark Hamill at Comic Con, and I realized when Last Jedi came out. I am not actually the most avid Star Wars fan. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. I watch you know the movies. I've seen some of the TV series. I've played games. I've read books. But there, I know of some people out there that just, if we're talking like bar graph scale, I'm like a 2% on that bar graph scale. These people are like 405%. It's you, insane. You, well, you are higher, my friend. Don't, no, don't you are not a 2%. Yeah, yeah, don't shortchange yourself. We don't call you Padawan for no reason, my friend. It's yeah. not just a title. It's... It's There's a lifestyle, a yes. Listen, I read all 20-some-odd books of the new Jedi Order series. That was a commitment. Exactly. Yeah, exactly the point. That was a commitment. Yeah, we're not making fun of you, my friend. It, it, but we Don't but, sell yourself short. Yeah, exactly. You know more about fandom, and you're part of that Star Wars culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're the, you will come up to me, and you will say, oh, my gosh, did you see the reveal at Star Wars uh, Celebration? Or check out this. That was revealed by Marvel. It's like, 
you are on top of the Star Wars. Uh, yeah. World. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. The one thing I am grateful for the movies is, is giving me an online set of group of friends where we yeah. interact, we have fun. Uh, when I went to New York Comic Con for the first time, they had a screening of the first two episodes of uh, season two, I believe it was, of Rebels. And I got to meet up with a whole bunch of people that I've made friends with online. And we all got to sit there and watch the first two episodes of season two of Rebels, which without Star Wars would not have happened. Yeah. You were a rock star there, too. Yeah. I was. I was, yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. No. Now he's like, yeah. Yeah. I was a rock star. Don't mind me. They call me Padawan Che for short. But either way, this is what the movies will do, and especially one that gravitates that much mm-hmm. and crosses over, that you wind up meeting more f- friends and you become super fans and get so passionate about the product yeah. that, like I say, it really rings out. And, and sometimes, like I say, people do go a little overboard. I mean, Brian touched upon it, that you'll get there and get those heated debates of like, oh, I like the movie. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's you get people who, as you said, it's like, all right, true Star Wars fans are usually either love a movie or you hate it. When you actually do try to say, I thought it was okay, you get people who are like, what do you mean it was just okay? Whether they mean, yeah. whether you're talking to someone who loved the movie Bound Belief or who hated it is now, and they're all, both sides will like gun at you. And that's where I'm sort of like, I'm really glad I don't belong to the insane part of the yeah. Star Wars fandom. No, yeah, and, and the other one you get these days too is, oh yeah, I really enjoy the Star Wars movies, and then you have to prove it. Like, all right, read off your resume. Like, what movies have you seen? What shows have you seen? Have you played any of the video games? Have and, you played any of the PC games? And that's where you're just kind of like, can't I just like it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I just want to be a fan. <laughs> it's like I watched the movie. Is that all right? Yeah, but I mean, there. But I'll, I'll admit though, I get like that with Marvel because like sure. when somebody tries testing the fandom, it's like okay. Game on. I will say, I will get intense when someone says they didn't like something about the movie and it's a scene that's, like, from a different one that, like, or they'll just get something wrong. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to stay calm here, but I just, I know you're wrong. Like, I respect your opinion. It's just... It's literally factually raw. My, my eye twitches when that happens. Ken's seen it. Yeah, I know. It, it happened out of con, too. We will, we will not talk about that situation on air, but that did happen. Pad got pressed, and he was, like, trying to use the force to keep calm. And it, it did work. I will say that. Yes. But to go back to the topic that at hand, though, I mean, you can just see all this, the memories we have of just interactions just from based mm-hmm. off Star Wars. I mean, who would have thought that the little saga written by George Lucas way back in the 70s? Yeah would still be causing this kind of emotion. You know, the saga that almost killed the man. Yeah. I mean, Pat, you want to break that down a little bit? Yeah, so when he was filming the first uh, Star Wars film and just the whole process and being out in uh, you know Tunisia where uh, a bulk of the... You know, most of the Tatooine scenes in the franchise have been filmed. You know, just between the the, the strenuous process, I want to say he ran out of... And Brian, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I want to say he ran out of money at least twice. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think no. He I think you're right. I think you're right. He, I know at I know least he, once. I know the movie was so low budget. That's so, yeah. why Fox didn't like yeah. want any of the merchandise rights because they're like, no one is going to yeah. care about if, this. If I if I remember right, and if somebody can correct me on this, please do. I want to say he, he, the movie ran out of money at least twice, and just the editing process and you know the rewrites and everything else that like he almost died. Just from the stress and the long hours and just how long it was taking. Yeah, just it, w- it had the Jaws situation to it in the sense the script was always being revised, the costumes weren't working, yeah. production problems everywhere. It's like, yeah, but like Jaws, it ended up being the blockbuster of the summer. Yeah, it was it, actually, I believe, the movie that trumped Jaws at the box office, yeah, it, it, despite. When Jaws aired in um seventy five, two years earlier, right? I mean, it was one of those scenarios where you know he Luca George Lucas came to the conclusion. All right, I'll write another one. I ain't directing this next one. 
Yeah, so to see where he came and with And then it was the best Star Wars ever made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. that maybe just the all the factors just fell into place. Like, especially he didn't have any big-name actors at the time right. involved with the project. Harrison Ford was a carpenter. Yeah. Like, he had a job carpenting he, he because was a, he wasn't... He, like, I think he maybe had, like, a few acting gigs, but it's like, say, wasn't it was, he, he wasn't making a lot of money off of it. He's uh, not like he is now. Like, you no, put yeah. Harrison Ford in a movie, you're like, oh, crap. No, I mean, there were some there were some names, but they weren't, like, big major names. I mean, Alec, yeah, they were, Alec, Alec Guinness, Guinness, you know, and... and uh, um, Oh, but Tarkin's household Tark, Tarkin's actor, but like I think, and I want to say Harrison Ford might have been an American Graffiti. I could be wrong on that, right? But to say like household names like right, blockbusters, right? right but now. yeah, like to say if they go to do another, you stuff. didn't you didn't drop a Chris Evans into the movie, right. yeah? It's not like, it's Chris not like Hemsworth. it's not like if they go to do like an original story from in, pick your favorite director and they go, oh hey, casting has been announced for the new Star Wars movie and it's going to be Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, which I mean, even comparison to Marvel at the time. He was not in the yeah. best limelight yeah. when he got cast for Iron Man. No, yeah. it and, was and talk about career resurrection. Yeah, but to see where it went, I mean, obviously they had their little spawn of time that they were the biggest franchise, and then Jedi came out, and then it kind of quieted down. But the fan base was still there. Then you jump to the original prequels, quote yeah. unquote, and the very polarizing reaction to them. That's the start of the toxicity and the um, insanity of the Star Wars fandom was. The Phantom Menace. I mean, the thing is, though, it, for, they were, vi- you know, very toxic opinions on them for a while. But the thing I've noticed, at least in the last couple of years, is people are warming to them a little bit. Well, no, this is where I have a problem with that. And that's you have people warming up to them. And I know for a fact, like from some threads I've seen on Facebook and whatnot, I know for a fact until Force Awakens and Last Jedi came out, mm-hmm. these people hated the prequels. But now that they're sure. not happy with Force Awakens and Last Jedi... Now they're saying, oh, these are genius movies. We want George Lucas back. And it's yeah. like, okay, just stop. I mean, like, I've, I've like, seen. Uh, the movie is a movie. If you have literally an opinion on it, if you hated the prequels, okay, you're entitled to it. If you thought they were okay, you're allowed to think that. If you love them, you're allowed to think that. Let I me, will disagree with you on the last one, but just that's my own opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed I'm, to have it. I mean, I've seen some people who, like, they, they didn't like the prequels, but then they watched them. They didn't watch them for a number of years, and then they went back to them. You're like, all right, you know what? It's not great. It's not perfect, but, you know, I do enjoy it to a degree. Two is absolute. I will say this. One's not bad. I like three. I will say I like three. It has its flaws. I still stand by after just rewatching these to get prepped. Two is still the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. But then I've also seen people. I've also seen people who are watching them for the first time in a long time with their kids, mm. and they go, "You know what? Seeing it through my kids' eyes, I can appreciate it a little bit." We'll deep dive into the movies next segment, but just to kind of just give the timeline. Yeah, because I'm gonna co- I'm gonna come to you on that prequel one because I can actually vouch for the kids' eye thing better than all the two of you here. <laughs> yeah, but to go from where they had the run in the '90s, and mm-hmm. obviously this. Caused a very polarizing rift because the bar was set so high, right? With Empire and New Hope, and Jedi was kind of a little slip up in my opinion, but it's still the the quality and the production was not the, not being greeted by the fan base. So to see now recently when the Force Awakens came back and when they said, "Okay, we're going to do Episode Seven, everybody was waiting to see what the new generation of Star Wars was going to be for the Skywalker family, right? To see the reaction at the time mm-hmm. was very positive, and it almost yeah. felt like a breath of fresh air was coming back. And this is the Star Wars that when you when you hear relatives talk about, and you know the older generation really say, "This was my Star Wars." I, I sense the vibe, and you know everything involved in that. Then the excitement was built up again. Then we had Last Jedi, which we'll deep dive into next segment. 
And now we are at Rise of Skywalker, the final destination, so to speak, of the Skywalker family. Mm-hmm. This is going to have a lot of impact on movies moving forward and for the franchise, which is so important to Disney, who bought the rights in 2012, Yep, that to see where they go with this moving forward, this movie is going to set the precedent for a lot of stuff that's going to be transpiring after when the Skywalker family is finally retired, or we think they are. I say I have a feeling we're going to get at least a bunch of books that take place after probably. Nine. Probably we, we probably will. I mean, to look at the comic line that's out right now by Marvel, who's absolutely crushing it with it. Yeah, line. that's going to be my one shot in the last segment. Is I'm doing a comics review. Just stay tuned for that later. Absolutely. But let's go take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and deep dive into each movie and give our thoughts, our pros and cons for the Star Wars lineage. The saga continues next segment. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts of Star Wars? What does it mean to you as a fan? What's your favorite moment? We definitely want to know, so hit us up on social media, and let's keep that conversation going. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for this special edition of the ODPH, getting you hyped up for Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Last segment, we kind of talked about what Star Wars means to us. Mm -hmm. Why is the Skywalker saga so important? But now we're going to take a deep dive into the one through eight of the films, give our pros and our cons of what we liked, what we didn't. So let's kick it off. Phantom Menace, Mm -hmm. episode one. Yep. Can you say anything good about this? Duel of the Fates. Darth Maul. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much about it for me. Yeah, that's it for me. I mean, I enjoy the film to a a little degree. I mean, it's not great. It's not perfect. But, I mean. The taxation of trade routes is in dispute. Yeah. That's literally how it opens. Whereas then you have episode four, the original, that opened up with there's a galactic civil war going on. It's on Both both of them kind of like, it's like you can kind of tell like when you read the opening crawl Phantom, it's like, okay, this is definitely a different movie it's got some good sound bites i will say that 
It definitely has its good sound bites and everything. One thing that we all have to remember with this is when this came out in, in 99. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for the 90s and in 2000. But the whole like saga felt like a 90s saga to me. Yeah. I don't know about anybody else. For the 1, 2, and 3s. Sure. It, like, I don't really know what you're going by for 90s. I, I just... Like it just kind of had a, a feel of like the '90s, like just not really. For 90s. Well, I, did, for I, did, I didn't have that. I I, I, was, didn't, I didn't view them as like I never like even rewatched them. I didn't get the vibe they were like 90s like like for two thousands. Like it just didn't feel like any, anything changed from like the action sagas we saw in the '90s. That's just my opinion. No, yeah, yeah, I did get the vibe at least for episode one that like if it, going remembering some of the movies that were coming out around that time, it did feel like or look at least look like some other you know at least the, just the way it looked, not like galaxy or scenery or costumes or just the way it looked yeah just kind of like how it was shot i guess yeah is especially for at this time everybody has to remember lucas came back and said oh this story had been set all along mm-hmm. i dispute that no i i think that this because was, of that the biggest thing and this more goes to the original trilogy if it was as fully flushed out as it is he fully knew luke was or leia was kissing her brother her twin brother yeah and that means he was into some weird stuff at the time. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's other things you can point at. <laughs> that, like, is yeah. where, that is where that is where that is my biggest one I go with. <laughs> I mean, there's there's other ones that like if you if you go through and watch them in, in order, and then you get especially when you get to especially five and six, where you sit there and go, okay, there's stuff in the prequels that happens that kind of like. Mm, Leia, like, do you do you remember your mother? Yeah. Only very little. She yeah. died when I was young. Yeah. yeah she died right after you were born. Yeah, I was just going to say, she died right yeah. at birth. So. I mean, that one, and then there's the other one where, you know, Return of the Jedi, where Luke finally learns about Leia and all this thing. And, and you know, Ben is finally opening up to him, like, all right, listen, I know I lied. And he's like, oh, I hoped I could teach him as well as Yoda did. And I'm like, mm, time out here. Yoda taught, didn't teach you nothing. Yeah, that was the whole thing. It, it, there was so many plot holes in yeah. this from where the bar was already set. So if you're really into the story, you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. I, I mean, I've shown these films to people who haven't seen them before, and, and we get to those points, especially in Jedi, where they go, wait a minute, that's not the case. Why is that not the case? I'm like, listen, he didn't film these and in that's order. The one, and that's the one, like, my dad even said when we walked out of Revenge of the Sith, I remember him saying, like, he's like, they did a good job, except for when the twins were born. He was yeah. Like, and that is the line he always uses, like, she died when I was very uh, little. It's like, my dad's always like, that is his biggest gripe with the prequels. Sure. Like he said, like, it's just from a story standpoint, it's like that does not work. Yeah. Especially with this movie though, too. I mean, we see Anakin at a very young age mm-hmm. and not obviously, the, yeah. The and pod. he's a person and his name is Anakin. Yeah. And oh God. Yeah. And his, the pod races there were actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like that was one of the things you could kind of say. And the only other takeaway, which we touched upon was Darth Maul mm-hmm. who came in like the most BA character like I remember since the, Boba Fett, I, yeah. rem- I remember the ads and and stuff on TV. Like most of them were leading up off, like to start the commercial with him standing there in the doorway. Doors open up, one lightsaber, other lightsaber. Like if you weren't already hooked on this movie, like you might be a little skeptical. Like eh, I don't know if I want to see another one. Holy crap! There's two double sided lightsaber. All right, I'm in. Yeah, and especially the one thing I thought they never touched upon after. Why did they get rid of it? What we, do you never, mean? we never saw a double lightsaber like that again. In the films, no. Right, but I'm just saying, was there something along the Sith line that caused that? I don't know. Well, who knows? Conspiracy theory. I don't, my biggest thing with the pod race, like, it is cool. I, I just feel like it does go on for a while. Yeah. I, mean, I, I yeah. lose interest after like the first lap of it. It's well, like you're just a little like, Well, and especially okay. especially with the newer versions of the movies, because, I mean, I remember having rewatched it recently like you, um, 
I definitely noticed there, you know, I keep noticing the scenes that weren't in the movie originally. I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right I get why you cut these, but I don't really feel these are needed for me being in the film. But okay. Like I said, that, I guess there was where I kind of felt the like 90s vibe because it was just like the excessive action scene that didn't need to go on. Like, this yeah. is like the Michael Bay, not the Michael Bay, like, you know, com- complete explosions. And no, yeah. I mean, you everything need, you going needed, on for 25 minutes, but still. You needed the scene so that he could get off the planet and yada, 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 but it didn't need to go on for as, maybe as long as it did. Right. I'm just now I'm thinking it's like yeah if Michael Bay directed Star Wars, Phantom Menace would have had Coruscant like on fire for like Explosions. ten hours straight. Yeah, yeah. it like, would be. There'd be like a little diner. Darth, it just blows up. Darth Maul would have gotten cut in half, dropped down the thing. Boom. <laughs> yeah. No, but like a, a gust of flame that comes up. It's like okay. Every, every time a blaster hits a something that isn't a person or a droid, a massive explosion. Yeah, which would have been. <laughs> Ten times better, I think. I, I kind of hope just it does drop a remake. A, just drop a Linkin Park soundtrack on it. Uh, now. Yeah, yeah, make something happen like that. I, I'm, I'm all in for that. Because especially with the characters they introduced. I mm-hmm. mean, you had Darth Maul, who was the most hyped-up villain that was one and done. Yeah. You had Qui-Gon, who's like the most like probably relatable Jedi, who it's like, hey, I need parts for my ship. All right, I'm going to try to use the Force to like, let you just give this to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like it's like credits will define. No, they won't. Credits will do fine. What do you think? A Jedi wave eater hand around like this? It's like, yeah, you you literally just tried to rob a guy, basically. I, I, I do love Liam Neeson's facial expression in that scene because if you go back and watch that scene and you look at his facial expression, he almost has an expression on his face like, wait, what the fuck? That normally works. Yeah. I mean, that was like the one bright side of like the new characters in. And we, Ewan McGregor was a very good yeah. Obi Wan. Oh, he was great like, as Obi Wan. He was very much like you watched it's like, yeah, he's a young Obi Wan. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he definitely filled the role out very well. And we also had Jar Jar Binks get forced down our throats. Yeah. That they were really trying to push him. We we talked about this on the Thirty and Nerdy podcast. Shout out to Josh and Tyler. Um, just Jar Jar was literally <sighs> greatest getting, merchandise ever. Was Jar Jar? Yeah, I mean, it, this is where Jar Jar lollipop. Okay, Google this it. is where I can legit vouch as because okay, I was five or was four when um, Phantom Menace came out. Um. I loved Jar Jar. Like, I thought he was funny. I am very much annoyed at him now because it's like you watch and it's like you do absolutely nothing except make, like, stupid equivalent of fart jokes, basically. Like, that's what he does. It's like it's nothing. He doesn't add anything. Yeah, like, he was supposed to take over, like, the role of Chewbacca, I think. Like, just in the in the, in the, yeah, in the yeah, in terms of being, like, the alien companion. It's yeah. just like you are just so annoying. And, yeah. he, was, and he was written so badly. Like, there was no redeeming quality to him. But, I mean, Ahmed Best, who plays him, did his absolute, you know, no pun intended, best with it and just acted his you-know-what. Oh, he tried. No, take nothing away from the actor because he was given a bad role and he tried making the best out of it. I I, I can't be mad at him. I I am upset at the writing and just how he was forced to be, like, the, the next big thing. And it was like, no. No, there's just nothing redeeming. And like I say, it, it's so 90s in that aspect. It was just like, yeah, but no. Mm-hmm. So obviously this movie left a lot to be desired. And then the bar was raised again for arguably, and I think we can all agree upon this, and Brian touched upon this as well, Attack of the Clones, Episode 2, 2002. Mm-hmm. Worst one of of all. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's good scenes, good you know, good moments, not, but not even for me. Not much. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh!" When all the Jedi show up, it turns it around. I'm like, by that point, I am so disinterested in the movie. That's like they all show up, and I'm like, 
All right. No, I mean for me, when the Jedi Can I go home now, you get, you get to the battle in the in the arena, and the Jedi all light their lightsabers up, and you see it. Like it's a cool moment. Like all right, that that's really cool. You know, I even remember going to the theaters. You know, with my dad, my brother, and my sister to see this one, and and when Yoda fights for the first time, just you know, I had a uh, cup of uh, high C or some juice in my hand. I dropped it on the floor. I could not believe what I was seeing. Well, I mean, the fight with him and Doku. Yeah, I mean that was probably the best part of the movie yeah because i mean the fight when anakin and dooku fight like five minutes earlier it's just it's literally just the two of them flipping their lightsabers in front of each other and it's close-up shots so you yeah. just see the lightsaber blades yeah, flipping around. yeah. It's, like, it's literally nothing like anakin cuts the power cord on the floor and it's like you watch the movie it's like there was literally no point to you doing that except to shut the lights off to look kind of cool but yeah it doesn't do anything i do remember this film a little bit though before it came out because this was the first film star wars film that came out where i had internet and this was back in the, like the early days of star wars.com and you know they had a they had a page for you know episode one episode four five and six and like you could go in there and it would give you like this little scrolling for back then which isn't scrolling today cast of characters and they put up the one for episode two and eventually they put up the cast of characters not all of them but you know the major ones that were going to be in episode two and i remember seeing uh anakin's mom being on there i'm like oh what the heck why is she gonna be in this movie right so i mean obviously <laughs> when this movie is aged to where anakin is a young man and really at this stage horny as all get out yeah i mean it was it was supposed to be like the love story but it was just kind of overdone in that aspect and, and it really took away from and and this is where okay the dialogue was not good at all. And it's no. like, and you can even go back to New Hope. Lucas isn't the greatest when it comes to writing dialogue. But I was going to go to Tashi Station and get some power converters. Not even that. Just like every, like just some lines are just, yeah. he's too forceful with his writing. Like he's too descriptive to like he wants. It almost is like he had the characters. He needs them to talk about what they're feeling over, like over the top. Yeah. Because he doesn't almost like, and kind of left out the part where the actor is supposed to kind of convey the emotion in mm -hmm. it. But it's like when it's so direct and on point, it's like you say what you will about Hayden Christensen. It's like, and his acting, it's like his lines are awful. It's like, yeah. look at them. It's like, you're telling me you could make this sound natural in a conversation. Yeah. And then that's the biggest problem is like, it's, that's what I mean. It's too spot on. Yeah, it's too forced. It's too spot on. Just the writing in this movie. I, I, and I think some of the lines might have been over overthought on maybe his part and other people's part. I mean, the one line that always gets up is brought up is the sand line. Yeah. And I get what he's trying to convey, but I feel like it would have been maybe a little bit better if, if instead of saying, like, oh, sand is rough, it's coarse, it gets everywhere. I, I felt like it might have been better if you just went, you know what? I don't like sand. It reminds me too much of, of my childhood or and even slavery. The, or I would even go with if you kept the dialogue and just maybe made him sound like a little more humorful. Like he's joking. He's like, I've never really liked sand, you know, it's coarse, rough. And it, well, it gets everywhere. Like just more like humorful. Like he's kind of bantering, but it's like, it's just, it and, just and, didn't come out that yeah, way. And that's yeah. the thing is like, you don't know what Lucas told Christensen to do. And it's like, and again, it comes down to kind of like what Ken was saying. It's like, it's meant to be the love story. And I think that's why he tried so hard to make it like romantic dialogue. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, he needed this to work for Luke and Leia. So he's trying to do romantic dialogue for a film. That's arguably taking place in like three different places at yeah. any given time. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing it was just, it was messy in its timeline and just where it was all over the place. Cause at one point you had Django Fett yeah. against Mace Windu. Yep. And then it jumps to Yoda and you meet Palpatine for the first time and see the yeah like in person like yeah you actually see him in person at the end of the movie which i will also say on attack of the clones and even revenge of the sith christopher lee was utterly wasted in those movies yeah he, like he, he did nothing 
Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, this was just all over the place just trying to backtrack a story. Mm-hmm. And it showed. I mean, in my opinion, this is the worst one of the bunch. Yeah. So, yeah. so obviously, this left a, an awful taste in a lot of fans' mouths to go into Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Five, you know, 2005. Yeah. This is where, I guess, the payoff was supposed to happen. Right. And this, was, I, yeah. this is definitely, in my opinion, this is the movie Lucas wanted to make. Like, this is yeah. the story he wanted to tell. When does Anakin become Vader? That's like what I think he wanted to do the whole time. This was the one that I remember going into it. Like, we all knew when episode one happened. All right, we know where we had, you know, it's the thing we talk about with doing a story in something before the original. All right, you got to get yourself to some point. This is the one I remember going into going, all right, there's a lot they got to do by the end of this movie. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. The one thing I will say, I you knew how it was going to end. I did have how Anakin got burned spoiled for me a little bit because the year that movie came out was the year the first Lego Star Wars video game came out and it was episodes one, two, and three. And I rented it from a local uh, video store and was playing it at home on my PlayStation 2. Happened to be playing the final level of of, uh, episode three the night I was getting ready, like maybe an hour before I was getting ready to go see the movie and played the sequence where you're fighting him as Obi-Wan and you cut him and they didn't speak, but I saw it in Lego form. I'm like, oh, so that's how he gets burned and turns into Vader. Oh, all yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, just to go from where he started in Phantom Menace where Anakin was a young child and this is where the Jedis first get aware of his powers and where he could be possibly the greatest mm-hmm. you know, warrior in the entire galaxy. And then we jump to Attack of the Clones and they try to make another romance story of Anakin and... um. Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now. Padme. Thank you. And then you jump into Revenge of the Sith where it's finally the payoff. You see Anakin turn to the dark side. Yeah. That Palpatine has won because he went full house of cards getting Jar Jar to make the biggest decision in the Galactic Senate. Yeah. Literally, Jar Jar was meant to represent Padme in the Senate. And Padme's like, you can't let them sign the bill to create an army. I'm going to propose the motion to, to create the yeah. army. It's like, oh, you idiot. Yeah. I, and I do love the scene, though, where they're proposing that. Like, they're like, oh, if only there was a, somebody here who would, you know, speak as she speaks. And, and Masamita, you know, Palpatine's right-hand guy just goes, hmm. Yeah, like, you could just read their expression the way they say that. Like, all right, we're setting this up, and we know what's going to happen. They so house of cards did. And I'm sorry, the Jedi get what they deserve. Because if you have the force, you can't tell that's coming. Stop. And I think that's where I'll say it's like, oh, we're no longer to sense it because the dark side. It's like, if you didn't think the Sith are around, how do you know the dark side's what's clouding you if you think the Sith are dead? Yeah. It's, like, just, it's just plot holes like that just made this very, I don't want to say unenjoyable. Like, there's moments in this, like, when you finally see Anakin turn yeah. and that fright. I wouldn't say frightening, but once you realize what's going on when he walks into the room and you just Master see the Sky, lightsaber. Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? And just, he does it. And that's where I kind of like when you can tell Hayden can act. Like, when he doesn't have his lines, like, he just has this, like, yeah. dead glare. Like, yeah. almost. there. And that's, like, the best because there is no emotion, but you can tell he's just, like, I'm going to do it. it- and he just sh- turns the lightsaber on. It's like, that was good. That one, and then also the scene where he's on Mustafar, and he's like, I think he's in the middle of killing like the entire uh, con- confederacy. And there's the one shot of him where you see where he just looks pissed off. Yeah. But then they close up on his face, and you can see the he's one tear. He's got the one tear shedding. So like he looks pissed off, but at the same time, it's also like, I hate what I'm doing right now. Yeah, so you try seeing the confliction that is Invader, but... The problem is you've already set that up when you have Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So it's meant to be, I think, like if you watch them one, two, three, like you can kind of see the groundwork that, okay, there is conflict in him. So when Luke is pro- 
playing off like, oh, there's conflict within you, like, and he's like, there is none. It's like you, you know, he's trying to tell that to himself. Yeah, right. The other thing with three is it's also the best paced. Yeah, um, like it actually, like we're we just said a clone attack of the clones is like all over the place. Like three is very much like okay, the, we're trying to end the war. We know where the droid general is. All right, he's dead. We're gonna tell Palpatine. And it's like, no, Palpatine's now moving on to the next stage of his plan. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually are wrapping stuff up as they're moving yeah. the plot along, not creating more and more plot points. But, again, the dialogue sometimes is still bad. Yeah. Yeah, the dialogue is bad. The fighting is decent in this. I mean, you finally have oh, yeah. that final battle between Obi-Wan and Oh, Vader. That's, that's awesome. Oh, that's, yeah. that's one of the best, if not the best, lightsaber duels ever. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's, like, the redeeming quality. And that's the other thing is, like, when it gets to that scene is, like, I will say I like the relationship it does show. Like, you can tell like Anakin and Obi Wan are friends, so it's like especially with the music going on in the background, like when Obi Wan and Anakin are fighting, it's like you just know it's like it's just ha- the emotional intensity between that fight. It's like these two people have known each other pretty much their whole lives. It's like they are going one of them's only one of them's walking off the planet. Well, and and it also kind of shows why when you get to you know the the original films why Ben says oh there's nothing left of him he's more machine than mouth not man because he didn't see those scenes where he's conflicted he's still got some emotion. All he saw was he sh- he walked out of the ship, killed his wife, went on a fight with him and screamed at him and tried to kill him for the better part of like 15 20 minutes. Yeah. And then screamed at him some more and then you're like, "Oh right, yeah, no, there's nothing left of you. You're you're dead to me." Yeah, I mean, it's just a really clear-cut take of where the direction he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this sets up where Vader is. And we do get two prequels that are happening before New Hope that we'll just touch, touch upon real quick. Yeah. Sure. Rogue One and Solo's uh, Star Wars story. Um, yeah. I'll just I'll do both mine real quick. Um, Solo is fun. Yeah. yeah. It's not needed, but at the end of the day, you can sit down, you can watch, and you're like, all right, it wasn't great. It's kind of forgettable, but it's a fun time. Rogue One was the prequel I wanted that I didn't realize I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when I when the mo- when I left the movie and I've watched it several times, I'm like, this is actually good because it kind of also addresses the rebellion weren't all cookie cutter good guys. Like, yeah, they did some yeah. shady stuff, and it just really showed like it really added to the struggle the rebellion's going off of. So when you go into four, you're like, oh yeah, these guys are the underdogs, but they can win. It's just, it's mm-hmm. not easy. No, yeah, Rogue One was definitely probably the best one they've done of the new, uh, the new films. You know, I enjoy the hell out of it. And yeah. just, you know, it, I would say Rogue One is required viewing for no matter what level of Star Wars fan you are, just because I think it adds, like if you go, if you do your rewatch and you go from Rogue One right into a new hope, a new hope just gets elevated so much more in how good it is. And, just to add to it, Rogue One also is like, if you are a hardcore Star Wars fan, it has enough of um, those nostalgia, like, mm-hmm. th- like Easter eggs, like, yeah. without going over the top. Like, if you love Star Wars, you're going to get, like, some of the references yeah. they throw in there, but they're not, like, relying on that to carry the story forward. And that Vader ends. Yeah, I was going to just say. That's the, that is the best part. I will say this. If, if you haven't found or saw it, wow, tongue-tied. Go to YouTube, and I want. There's a girl. There's a guy who filmed his girlfriend and watching the that end scene for the very first time. I think it's like Rogue One Darth Vader reaction, and he's. It's a great video, and her reaction is absolutely priceless. I highly recommend you go watch it. Yeah, I mean, we touched upon this on the Thirty and Nerdy episode we were on that this solidifies why Vader is the BMF of the galaxy. Yeah, that final scene where he is just decimating. Mm-hmm. You, Everyone. Well, you it, see in the you see in the original trilogy, you always see him fighting Jedi. This is just straight up. Okay, you take away the lightsabers and the Force, and he's going at guys with blasters, and it's like 
He just shreds them. Well, and especially like... And he doesn't say anything. You just hear the breathing. It's like you can understand why people are afraid of because like this guy isn't like this thing that's attacked him. It's like you got almost one. It's like they probably are like, is this thing even human? Okay. So, yeah, if you go Rogue One Darth Vader scene reaction, search on YouTube, it's the first result. Um, But I'll just say this. Like that entire scene is brilliant from start to finish because they're trying to get off the one ship and onto their ship and they can't get the door open. And I remember sitting in the theater... Like, because I wasn't able to see the movie the night before, long story. But the next night I saw it, I had a friend tell me, like, you're going to love this one scene. And I remember sitting in the theater, you know, watching it, and they can't open it. And you just hear the crank clunking or the metal creaking. And I'm just like, what the hell? And then you hear the breathing, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. And the, was, and the, the lightsaber ignites. Yeah, when they show Vader shell going over to the next ship, and then the lights do go out, that was what I – that was my thought. I was like – Oh crap! Vader's about to walk in there. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean that just solidified Vader and going perfectly jumping into a new hope. Yeah. Which, what can you say about New Hope? I mean, obviously for 1977. Yeah. I mean, it set it's the bar. Good, yeah, that's no, it's, the it's thing the you have to look. It's like I know some people are like after the Vader fight scene in Rogue One, they're like, oh, it just makes the. It's like I can't enjoy the actual regular one to begin the original fight between Obi Wan, um, Vader. They're like, it's so bad, and it's like, okay. It was 1977. This was a super low-budget movie where nothing yeah. was going right. Trying to have an epic choreographed fight was not on Lucas's to-do list. Well, and, and it's like, and it's still enjoyable. Right, it's, like, it's not awful. And, and like we said before, Lucas hadn't fully fleshed out everything yet. And I think I've I've read and heard in a couple places, at least at that point in his mind, lightsaber dueling was more of a fencing type fighting yeah. style, like you see in the film. Where if you if you do a side by side comparison of fencing and then what they're fighting is, that is very like Vader, fencing. Vader's actor was a fencer. Yeah, so that's what you know. Yeah, the stuff in the prequels is fast paced and amazing, and the stuff as you go on in the in the original trilogy and, and in the newer trilogy is is good. But you look at that, okay, yeah, it doesn't look like anything else you saw at any point. But they were still figuring it out. And even if you get to Empire Strikes Back, the fight between Luke and Vader is still very fencing esque, like they obviously took it a little more there's a bit more jumping involved but like you look at vader's fighting style he still has a much more like a he like will repose and whatnot like he he has more of a fencing style Mm -hmm. yeah and this is where you really see the characters really get established too i mean we are first introduced to han leia and luke you instantly open the movie with the galactic battle going on yeah that vader is trying to capture princess leia and what is going on there. And even if you're watching just New Hope for the first time, it's like, or like not watching Rogue One, the opening scene just automatically shows how outnumbered or how outgunned the rebels are. It's like this little tiny rebel ship is shooting at this massive Star Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. So to see how that saga just unfolds and you get your first introduction to the Jedi and the dark side and all that comes with the Force and you really get just a small taste, but it's enough that really hooks fans because mm-hmm. at that time, and like we touched upon this, you never really saw a movie like this in the sci-fi fandom that or fantasy fandom that really gravitated, that just really caught everybody's attention. I mean, this was so groundbreaking for what it was Yeah, that to see the saga of Luke, Leia, and, and Han really captivate an audience and captivate just moviegoers that the demand after this was so high they had to do a sequel. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this just goes to show that Lucas's plan made sense after all. Yeah. Crazy dialogue and all. Yeah. But it definitely showed that, okay, well, wherever he's going with this, there is a story. The only question that you have to ask as you move on is there are certain elements that happen in this movie sure. that switch by Return of the Jedi. So was he changing that story as he was writing? Maybe. I think, honestly, I think Return of the Jedi, I think, I think Lucas had... 
the sequel planned out. I don't think he had Return of the Jedi planned out. No, I think he. I think that's he had, the I'm, one that I'm really because like if you watch New Hope to Empire, it's like it flows good. Then when you get to Return, you have some of the dialogue comments like that just a little like, wait a minute, we didn't. That, yeah, that didn't. I mean, I've heard rumors and over the you know over the time that he, he originally had a six film planned, like you know one you know the you know going from a New Hope you know through six movies. Not being what we know now, but just like the, the end movie of that six trilogy was going to be what we saw in Jedi, mm. or, or at least the concept of it that they win, they fight the Emperor, and you know, all of a sudden done. I have heard that rumor and that something along the way changed, and but I can't verify that. And that's the thing you can have a concept down, but when you actually start flushing the story out, that's totally different. That you still have the concept in mind, it's just when you start flushing story means you have to flush the details out. I don't think he had the details flushed. Right. Out. It's like with JK Rowling, you know, the thing she always said was from the time she went to write the original book, she had the final chapter of the series written out and done with sure. How, you know, some characters that were in that unseen changed a few times over the years, but I would say she has gone on record saying she told Alan Rickman when he signed on for the role in Sorcerer's Stone as Snape, it's mm-hmm. like, this is what your character goes through. Like, yeah. he knew he was going to die in, episode, yeah. in book seven. Yeah, so obviously this was so groundbreaking for its time that, yeah, when you start seeing the other sequels that followed, you knew there were changes from the original plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, they tried setting up the love triangle. Yeah. And, I mean, that was kind of the biggest thing that's changed over the course of time. But you were established that, okay, they defeated the Death Star. They defeated Vader at the time. There's peace in the galaxy, so to speak. And then you're right. like... No, the Empire's an empire. Right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're bringing the hammer down now. They're hinting at the love triangle, but I, I feel like with A New Hope that it's not really a love triangle yet because there's that scene after they get off the Death Star and, and Leia leaves the cockpit and Luke comes in and he sits down and Han says, oh, what do you think? A girl like a girl like her and a guy like me? And do you watch that scene and just how fast he says no? no. Yeah. And that is very much a kid like who's Hans, got the hots. Han's even literally like... Jeez, okay. Like, yeah, no, that, that's that's very much like, like a, he has that look you give your friend, like, all right, we'll think about yeah, it that, at that, least. That's a kid with his first crush, right? And it goes to just show how he's almost like recycling where he, the thoughts he had for Anakin are with Luke. If he really did write sure. the original story, debatable. But you also see the growth of the characters. You see Obi Wan meet his demise to Vader's hand. Yep. So obviously, everybody is explained very well, and that's how you can really connect with characters. And you see, obviously, Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon and mm-hmm. just C-3PO and R2-D2 and just everything that's involved. And it's so well thought out. And just like this small little family is fighting the biggest threats in the galaxy that when it really hit moviegoers, everybody was clamoring for a sequel. Yeah. And we have, and this is my opinion, the best Star Wars film of all time. Yes. Yeah. It no, still yeah. is. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's still my favorite. Yeah. 1980, it set the bar for how you do a sequel. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the Battle of Hoth. To meeting characters such as Lando Calrissian, mm-hmm. the reintroduction of Hello, Boba Fett. What have we here? Yeah, greatest and, casting ever. And yeah, you know, Billy Dee Williams kills that role. I mean, so I mean, anyone who remembers any other actors from that time period, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't around back then. If you can come up with a better actor from that time period who can, you know, replace Billy Dee Williams, I dare you to name them. No, it's, it's virtually impossible. And then to see where the the change happens with Palpatine and. You now see with Luke and uh, Vader in that film. Yep. I mean, just to see the the bombshell of bombshells get yeah. dropped. That you That's s- like the biggest thing I hate about growing up on Star Wars is I always knew that. Sure. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... 
I, it is like that thing. If I could, I would love, I'd almost like to see my, I'd almost like to have my memory like erased of like the original trilogy to like watch them again to be like, Luke, I am your father. Like, I kind of want to know what that was like. Cause like, I, I mean, it's like, I always knew it's like, so whenever that, like that line, you kind of, I kind of appreciate it a little more than I'm older, but I never got that initial like, oh crap. Yeah. No, see, I actually had that reaction. I don't know how I didn't know it. You know, maybe it was just a case of no one in my class at school had seen that yet. And I just got lucky. But I remember, like I said, my dad got those three films on VHS, the special editions. And, you know, we watched uh, we want I remember he got them, you know, when we went up to my grandparents for Christmas and we opened some gifts there. And I was like, can we watch this right now? And they were like, no, we've got stuff to do. But like the next day, Christmas Day, I remember watching that film and we got to that scene and I paused it, you know, and I went. My dad was in the other room. And I'm like, holy crap, is this true? He goes, what? I'm like, is, is Vader is his father. I'm like, is this true? Like, there's no way this is true. Yeah, I mean, that arguably is one of the biggest bombshells in a movie that you've ever had unveiled. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, because the, the entire film is just seeing how Luke comes of age with Yoda and he's getting yeah. his, his Jedi training. And you're just seeing how the the rebels are trying to fight their way through the Empire. You see the double cross of Lando mm-hmm. on Han. Boba Fett is handpicked. Well, I always say he's handpicked. Oh, he Vader. is. When, okay. One of the biggest badass, uh, and you guys can input this, when Darth Vader, the biggest badass in Star Wars and possibly the galaxy, who's feared by his own soldiers because he's ready to kill them if they mess up, points at Boba Fett in a lineup of bounty hunters and just says, no disintegrations. It's like, he knows Boba Fett's reputation. Yeah. If not, if not just Boba Fett's reputation, Mandalorian's reputation. Yes, which is so crucial to the, to the saga moving forward. I mean, obviously, the success of the Mandalorian is on Disney Plus right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boba got that ball rolling, but this is where you first really see what he's capable of because he's the one who captures Han. Yeah. It's like he literally like just floats around because he knows it's like, all right, the Millennium Falcon's out there, and he tracks him down to Cloud City. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. And then he calls. It's like I have no doubt he's the one who told the Empire. It's like this is where they're going, and then the Empire shows up like before they can, and that's when they did the deal with Lando. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely Cause wild. Because Vader because that's the thing. Vader stands up from the dining from the dining room when he ambushes Han, Leia, and Chewie. Stormtroopers come in behind him. Boba Fett's in the dining room or in the dining room with him. No, yeah, and, and, he and, walks and, out, and it's like, yep. And I couldn't figure it out in my head how the timing of that worked out, but no, yeah, that works out because you think about it. The Falcon at that point can't go through light speed, so they're traveling at you know regular driving speed. You got the the Vader ship who's going through light speed. You know, pops out at the drop of a hat, and you know, meanwhile, Boba's following him at driving speed, going, "Hey, by the way, I know where they are, and I know where they're going, so they can just boop boop pop over there before they can get there." Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously they escape, but this without Han, obviously yeah. he's captured. And, I mean, when Luke has to get his hand repaired because, I mean, <sighs> Vader, even though he re- does the reveal, I am your father, still cuts off his hand. Still cuts off his hand, but you go and watch that whole fight. That is like, you know, minor, you know, like Little League baseball player going up against Nolan Ryan in his prime. It's so one-sided. It's to the point where Vader's throwing it's stuff brutal. at him. Like yeah. it's, it's to the point where Vader's using the force to throw stuff at him, then he's like, all right, I don't even got to defend myself. I put, he puts the lightsaber down. And that's kind of like you can look at the difference between a, a fight scene getting your arm chopped off and Star Wars done right. He's like, you look at Anakin when he gets his hand chopped off by Dooku. He's, it's like, okay, he literally just lost his hand. You look at Luke when he's done fighting Vader. Not only has he lost his hand, he's like bruised in everything in the yeah. face. Like he's tired and beat down. He took down. a whooping. Yeah. So obviously there's so much going on with this film. I mean, that's the, why I think it really stands the out. The biggest thing also what makes it, and this is in my opinion what makes it the best sequel, is this is what I think movies today don't really do. It wasn't afraid to A, expand the universe and B, actually just 
take chances. A lot of people don't take chances anymore. I think it's also the pacing where, like, you think, all right, you got the excitement of the opening, and then you got the battle, and then it kind of calms down, and they're going through the chase, and they're going through the asteroid field, and it's, you know, it's a little, ooh, what's going to happen? But you're not, like, on the edge of your seat, like, oh, my God, who's about to die? Right. I mean, there was just so much that was going on with this that when you want a sequel, and you want it to be better than the first. I mean, that's the whole point of doing a sequel. Oh, yeah. Which a lot of people forget these days, that this movie trumps... Or a New Hope. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, New only, Hope is great, but this movie better. is better. Yeah, the, the only one I can really think of that's come out top of my head that's sort of done that is really the John Wick trilogy so far. Is like the sec, the first one's great, the second one's better, third one's a little weaker. Not saying it's following Star Wars path, but it's like each movie's adding to it, and that's what trilogies in general need to do. Like movie series is in general. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're yeah. having multiples, don't just keep rehashing the same movie. Like actually build off of each one yeah no I, for me like it always sticks out with christopher nolan's dark knight yeah. oh yeah oh, same yeah. that's with, another one yeah which like i say you want your film to be better as it goes because otherwise why you keep doing them yeah i mean because this is before really the mentality of a cash grab is, sure. is in play but still hollywood's there to make movies and make money so obviously we go to 1993 return of the jedi 1983 1983? Mm-hmm. What did yep. I say? 1993. <laughs> I'm still stuck in the 90s because you know what? I'm just getting haunted by Jar Jar. Nah. <sighs> okay. So 1983, we go to Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Episode 6. Yep. And this second, one. Second favorite Star Wars. I I guarantee, I know for a fact there's a lot of flaws with it. I watched this movie with a lot of nostalgia goggles. I have no shame admitting that. I still enjoy the movie. I enjoy it, but it's more towards the bottom of the list for me. Just I don't know, something about it. Like I enjoy it, and it's fun. But I don't know. Just doesn't it doesn't hit with me. It, this one is probably my I don't want to say least favorite because obviously Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace take the thing. But Jedi, I think, tried too much. Like there wasn't a really story set in place mm-hmm. with after Empire, in my opinion. I think that Lucas just tried doing this on the fly, and obviously this is when toys are taken off, and this is when you can really start merchandising a film and really take it somewhere because it's it's been it's so embraced by pop culture. As much point. as I like them, the Ewoks were literally just in there to sell teddy bears to children. Exactly. There's no point to Ewoks in there. Hey, they saved the rebellion. Yeah, so you think. <laughs> I, I still say, okay, well, where are they now? And I so hope I don't just jinx myself and I see them in episode nine because I'll which to be fair everyone likes to say they're innocent little cuddly bears and couldn't kill anyone okay you do all realize they were about to eat luke Khan and chewy like they were straight up about to cook them and eat them in honor of 3po their god i have no doubt those helmets that they're banging in the victory celebration at the end of the movie they definitely ate those stormtroopers it's entirely possible it completely is but i mean to see where (laughs) this film just kind of really wraps up this trilogy i mean you go see it does do a good job at that like regardless of what you say like it is a good ending to the trilogy. Yeah, I mean, there's just a couple points that I, I think they could have done better. Obviously, the Boba Fett uh, punk out. Yeah, dying like a Looney Tunes character. Yeah, that just that, That's the best description I've ever seen it put. Is, I can't remember where I read that. It's like he dies like a Looney Tunes character. It's like, yeah, he gets hit in the back by a blind guy. Yeah. on a, and the semi, blind, Semi-blind. Semi, yeah, he's semi-blind. Semi-blind. He still gets taken out in like the most Looney Tunish ways. I mean, you can play the yakety sax to it, and it would still make sense. Like you have moments like that, and obviously the Jabba the Hut, uh, you know, whole scene there. I mean, it's just oh, uh, you don't like it? I don't know. Like Jabba really just didn't do anything for me. 
I, I mean, for me, and this wasn't until I realized it listening to the uh, soundtrack show podcast with David W. Collins. Highly recommend that show if you like movie soundtracks. Um, well, he was talking about Empire Strikes Back, or not Empire, Return of the Jedi, and just how, you know, Jabba is very much like it, you're trying to live a fake life with this, where, like, he's trying to seem more important than he is, where, like, he's throwing a party and he's got music going and he's like, oh, look at how important I am. Aren't we having fun? Yeah. I mean, I think the best thing, though, with Jabba was Leia killing him. Oh, yeah. Because if you yeah. because if you weren't sold on how badass Leia is, and I've always said she is, because if you look at through the four, five, and now six, when Vader comes out, everybody freaks out. She never backs down. No. She just she, looks him right in the face. She's dead ass right in his face. And, and then also when they're pinned down when they rescue her, and she's like, you call this a rescue? She grabs the blaster and shoots open the... Um, yeah. Garbage. She's like another garbage shoot flyboy. She's like, I'm leading this. And yeah, it's she like, jumps it's right like, in. It's like you guys are idiots. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, to see how strong she's written, I thought was so awesome. And this is just a case in point mm-hmm. that oh, okay, everybody's freaking out about Jabba, and yeah. she's like, nope, I got chains. I'm gonna punk him and just kills him in a bikini. Yeah. I know yeah. Carrie Fisher after, like literally said she's like, oh, I want to be the one to kill him. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously did such an amazing job with it too. It just like to establish just how badass of a character she is, and obviously they write out Yoda in this film too. Which, yeah, I mean to bring him in, I it makes sense to the story. So I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't struggling with that as well. But then we finally get the Palpatine moment, and yeah. we see how Luke is getting corrupted, and and the battle for like, his yeah, soul. Yeah, he's, he's definitely like wavering between light and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like the Yoda thing because it adds to more of the bombshell at the end of um. Five with okay, it's like Yoda is Darth Vader, my father, and like Yoda's even trying to avoid it, and then it's like Yoda, and this is where you kind of see like Luke's evolved into an adult because he just yeah. sternly is like, is he my father? I, I think it's also Yoda's death is just kind of maybe to add gravity to Luke's situation, where like maybe if you're watching the film, going okay, things aren't good. Luke is still kind of learning, but hey, Yoda's still there. Yoda's like, Yoda tra- Yoda's the Jedi master. He trained Obi Wan. He trained all these Jedi. Maybe he can help him out. And and like literally like what? Maybe when like, gone, I am the last of the Jedi who will be. And like Luke, just he even yeah. like thinks that too. Yeah. He's like. I'm not re- like he's like I'm not ready. Yeah, like it's just one of those things. Where, like as you might be sitting there watching it for the first time, going, "Okay, Yoda might be able to help him. Yoda might be able to come in and, and save the day." And you're like a half hour, whatever, into the movie, and nope, he's gone. Yeah, this is just another thing with the with the trilogy here. It's just how they wrap up everything is mm-hmm. just very well done. Yeah, and obviously you see Vader flip too. Yeah, that now all of a sudden he finds his heart that he did not have, and. Tries making the save, and you know it's almost like too happy of an ending. And then, plus, they rehash the whole Death Star. Like you would think for the Empire, for being as smart as they are, they come up with a force field to put around that thing. And that's where that's where I have a. I'm sorry, that's where I have a. They well, did I mean, have the force. I'll say they, they did, did have actually a have a force field. field. That's why they went to the Han planet below. They had blew to it blow up. up the. Yeah, thing. but still, like, there's still like one way to blow the thing up. Like you'd figure they would be smart enough not to put a fail safe in there. Well, I, if, if I, I can't remember. I can't remember the YouTube video, but it's like. They talk to the Death Star architect, and this is before Rogue One came out, but basically ends with it's like, does, should we listen to this guy? He seems to bring up some good points on the Death Star, too. And he's like, ah, forget it. The guy's a hack. Now, yeah. well, this, this work shaft that leads to the central core to blow up the Death Star, you think it should be big enough to fit the Millennium Falcon in there? Yeah. <laughs> well, if I, if I remember the, the, some of the canon right, they always had a second Death Star. This wasn't just like something that, like, in between A New Hope and Jedi and that's, that, that that's they're the like. That's the thing. That's where, like, Marvel's now, like, that's been put in. And I'm like, that's one of my changes. It's like, 
really you're you really are just like okay we're gonna build a second one like they fully address palpatine's like now with the first death star gone vader our fleets are gonna have to manage until the second one is built it's like really you could and this is where i preferred the comics the one guy who says in the comics like why didn't you just make like eight thousand f- ships with the materials you needed for the Death Star? Yeah, it does cost a few uh, bucks to make that thing. Yeah, you like, made a moon-sized planet. It's yeah, like, like that's th- not cheap for your economy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you made a moon-sized <laughs> planet twice, twice, and yet you still with force fields and all that jazz, you still put a, an, a, an explosion. That's probably in the there. real reason the Empire failed after the second one blew up. They were broke. They couldn't pay anybody. <laughs> or maybe that was Jar Jar's secret plan, that he was the secret architect of said Death Star. Really? Darth Jar Jar. Uh, uh, then maybe his redeeming quality. I mean, don't forget, he is a clown living on Naboo on the streets. Which is fine with me. I have no sympathy for him. But for this film, though, to sum up where it took the characters of Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, otherwise known as Luke, Han, and Leia, mm-hmm. and to really just close out everything properly. Sure. I mean... You have to give due to Jedi for at least ending a trilogy, and yeah. we all thought at the time that was going to be the last and that's film. It. If you straight up watch those three movies, like yeah. you don't watch any of the other ones, it ends. Like right. it's it, done. It's, like it's, it, that is that is it. It ends perfectly. Like there's yeah. no yeah, the loose death ends. of Vader, death there's of no Palpatine. Yeah. Everybody, like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's there. You see the shots of the various places around the galaxy celebrating. They're kind of standing there smiling and dancing while having a cookout. It's very much a, and they lived happily ever after. Yeah, which is the perfect way to end it. And then now we jump into episode seven. Mm-hmm. Now, this one, Brian's a little polarized by it, so why don't this you kick one, us off? Okay. I will say, just rewatching it yesterday, at the end of the day, I like the movie. Um, I definitely have problems with it. Sure. Okay, I definitely, one of my biggest things is I do, is because it does follow a very formulated pattern of new hope. I understand this because a lot of people had their complaints with the prequels. We already established that. So I understand from a storytelling perspective, you want to bring people back, introduce the new characters in a very familiar format. They did kind of play a little too safe with that format. And my biggest problem is the new characters for the most part suck. Like they're, they're not, you don't have like that. You don't get that like attachment that you did with Lou Khan and Leia. Like you don't get that with, like, Ray's pretty boring. Like, she's very bland. Poe is also, he's the bland soldier type. Finn has a little character development, but then it's just like he's always wavering between, oh, I want to run, I got to do the right thing, I want to run, do the right thing. Like, it's just he's, and even Kylo Ren's kind of the same way. Like, the first Force Awakens, this will kind of tie into Last Jedi also. Um, Same with Finn there with the running and doing the right thing. Kylo is always fluctuating between, okay, I'm evil, but I'm, not sure if I want to be it. All right, I kill my dad. I pretty much just went full evil. No, I'm still like, do I really want to be the evil guy? And that's my problem with it. It's like I don't really care too too much for the characters. And Kylo's like the one I kind of like the most, but even he's still like, you're not a great villain. Well, the one issue I have with the with the Force, and you touched upon it right on the top there, it does borrow heavily from A New Hope. Like there is very identical moments. That mm-hmm. happened there. I do think, though, that the characters, they don't give enough time to really develop. Mm-hmm. Like, for the new ones, I'm saying. For for Rey, and that's, we, we yeah. really don't know her story. Kylo Ren comes in because everybody thinks it's the second coming of Vader. Mm-hmm. And he just appears to be an immature child. 
Yeah. And you really are trying to think, okay, you're supposed to be the next coming of Vader. You're acting like this. Where's the story? That's the problem is like, okay, he's supposed to be the new Vader, but he's always back and forth. Like you said, like a child, like, oh, I don't want to be evil. Oh, I'm evil. I don't want to be evil. I'm evil. It's like, okay, that's not helping your character be the main villain when for the fir- for episode seven and eight, that's his whole arc. And now going into the ninth episode, I realize I'm sort of jumping ahead here. I'll, we'll go back. But it's like now going into the ninth episode, it's like, okay, are you still going to be like wavering between good and evil in the closing episode of a trilogy where you're supposed to be Darth Vader? Yeah, because especially in this film, too, he kills Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you literally murdered your dad. Yeah, so there should be no turning back at this stage. And that's kind of the biggest takeaway from this film is they really try to establish in the new characters, but they still have such an overwhelming shadow to get out of underneath Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and, right. and uh, Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, especially Mark Hamill's appearance at the end of the film because now you go through the saga of Ray, who almost has a similar origin to Luke. Yeah. You have Poe, who, I mean, is supposed to be the Han Solo type. But he's, but kinda, he's not. No, but he's kind of like the Tom Cruise Top Gun character. Yeah. Like that's I I think that's closer. Yeah, that's like, actually a very good description. Yeah, like I, when I saw, first saw it, I'm like, okay, he's Maverick. Okay. Yeah, especially yeah. that uh, one fight scene where he takes out like five or six ships in one go. Yeah, watch that scene and play Danger Zone to it. It'll change your I world. I might have to do that. It'll change your life. Same. So to see the, these characters, I mean, they really haven't been established, and then you, you're getting introduced to more new characters, but they're not really spending the time to develop them. Yeah, the, and the, that's... And that's, like, the biggest takeaway for me is, like, okay, these characters could be something, but where are they going with them? Same with Snoke. It's like, oh, he's the big bad here. Well, debatable now with what was revealed in the Rise of Skywalker trailers. It's like when when Snoke died in Episode 8, it's like, all right, you didn't even explain who this guy is. No, I well, mean, that's a payoff we might get in nine, though. Yeah, yeah, which, and that's where like, I, but that's like what I'm saying. When you're going into a closing episode of a trilogy, like so far, like I, if you explain who Snoke is, don't just like half ass it. Like, don't just be like, all right, yep, this is who he was. He was bad. Well, I think that that was one of the issues that they had with this film is they had so many new characters. Yeah, that you still had your original characters involved too. Who's going to get the more screen time? Like, General Hawks is another one. Like, he's another evil person. It's like, yeah, you're just kind of a whiny Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, once you Phasma's, start... And Phasma suffers from the Boba Fett syndrome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, I, which I was going to touch upon. And, yeah, okay, and, and, okay. And, and, oh, yeah, trust didn't me. Mean I, to, I, didn't no. mean to cut you off with that. Just, no, I mean, my, that's my thing. So. My thing with Force Awakens, I enjoy it. Yes, it has its flaws. Yes, it's not perfect. But at the end of the day, it's a movie that I know, like, I can throw on and still have fun watching it. And oh, that's, yeah. And that's what I want to get at is, like... The reason I like it is because it does follow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, New Hope, and it's like, well, I like New Hope, so right. it's like I can't. And I'll hate say this one. For and I'll it. say this: it's been what four years since the film came out. The scene where Ray pulls the lightsaber with the Force, and you hear the you know the the classic theme. You know, I forget what theme it is. You hear the classic theme. It's the theme from New Hope when the, his house is on fire. Yeah, the theme, you know, the theme, and I still, I got major goosebumps then. I still get goosebumps to this day. They oh, def- yeah. oh, they definitely have good scenes. Like, there's definitely some scenes where I was like, you sit there and you're like, all right, well, that was cool. No, this film is, is great for a nostalgia reason, and that's why I love it that much. Like I'm saying, I might be very critical of it, but I also go into it, and it's fun. Yeah. And this reminded me why I liked Star Wars, that the bad taste I had from 1, 2, and 3 went away. Sure. And I'm like, okay, now I remember why I like these films. 
because it does inspire you to have hope. Three and seven are kind of tied for me in terms of how I like them. All right, and that's fair. That, that's where I'm at with them. I mean, how dare are you wrong with me? Um, no, but you're this, not allowed to think that. Yeah, exactly. This is the empire over here in the ODPH. We don't we don't allow that free thinking. I mean, two thirds no, of us Rob, are Yankee fans. Yes, this is true. And the, the I remain um, abs, I'm going to just abstain from baseball. All right, smart move. Courteously. No, yeah, but to get back to the film though, Force Awakens just reminds you and has such a nostalgia feel to it. Yeah, that that's why. You can overlook the lack of character development. And I think that this is why I'm going to lead right into Last Jedi. Sure. That this is where there are such high hopes for Last Jedi, albeit though they did change things when they brought in Ryan Johnson as a new director because this one was done by J.J. Abrams. And that's the thing. It wasn't just he was the new director. He also wrote the story for it. Right. So obviously this one had a lot of polarizing feels to it. Now, we did cover Last Jedi. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go back to that episode if you want to. So we're not going to rehash it. Same. I don't want to go off everything again. I'll I'll gladly do my summary, but if you want the full details, definitely look back at our show. Just look back at the episode. I will say this, though. Uh, My opinion on one thing in the movie has changed. I know in the past you guys have both said you didn't like the the casino scene. And I was like, oh, no, you know what? I I will say this. You could have cut out a good portion of it, and I think it would have been a little bit better. Thank you. You you did yeah. you did need portions of it because okay, that's where they met what this is face, and they you know the the hacker and okay, you, it's it's kind of like with the uh, pod racing scene, you know, you still need it, but like it wasn't until I was watching it, you know, the other day for my rewatch, and I'm going, yeah, no, you know what, I was wrong. You could have cut a portion of this, and it would have been fine. And going on, and this is where I have a problem with them because this is supposed to be a trilogy. Last Jedi, in my opinion, did not move anybody's characters further. That's like my biggest complaint with it. So now going into nine, it's like, okay, you're going to wrap this up. Are you going to try to do character development for all these people in the last installment of their trilogy when you really should have done it in episode eight? Like Ray is still very much like, and this is, all right, I don't want to go back into like everything because like, all right, we have a previous episode on this. But my biggest thing is like Ray hates um kylo for killing her father figure at the end of force awakens okay she literally then just jumps in and tries to redeem him after saying several times oh you're a treacherous like snake i want to kill you it's like you you deserve it's like you deserve to uh be killed or whatever just something like that like she wants to get rid of kylo but then she tries to redeem him and kylo is also like on the fence still about like oh do i want to be evil am i supposed to be the evil guy and it's like okay you literally just murdered your father as you said ken it's like no one's character progressed. No, nobody did. And I, and after a couple of rewatches, I, I kind of ranked Last Jedi lower than where I originally had it. Just because of that said reason, that your characters really weren't developed. And the story you went with, I, like I said, I don't, I don't hate the movie. Like, I'm not one of those toxic fans that are like... I'm not going to lie. Is, there are some cool scenes. Like, the throne room fight scene yeah, is yeah. awesome. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it's so awful because I didn't like last year. No, there's definitely some cool parts in there. Like, I think there is a good movie no, yeah. trying to get out of this thing. The, fu- the fight scene in the throne room and also the Falcon showing up on the fight scene in the end where you get the classic, like, you know, TIE fighter fight scene music from uh, yeah. A New Hope where, like, Chewie's pile and the thing and you got Ray just going chewy yeah no there are elements to this film that I really love and I'm, I'm not scared to say that and I do like the fight scenes I will still say Finn should have got killed oh yeah Finn I agree that would oh okay that would have been yeah. his character 
that would have been like a good arc for him. It's like, you know what? I tried again to run. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do what's right and save everyone. Yeah. So, but obviously when Rose decides to pull the, you know, save and, and, and her character too. I didn't really like her character. Nothing against her actress. Yeah, it's exactly. Just literally, it's like your character didn't really add anything to the story. I, I think they were trying to give her the comic relief to the film. Maybe. And I, I think that that's where you can kind of complain about the writing, not yeah. the actress. No. Nothing bad to say about her. Yeah. And like I say, I think there are a lot of times with these films. The acting is all very good in these movies. Like, all the actors do a good job. Like, it's just literally, like, their ca- what they're given I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a problem, that they try making the best of the situations, and you're really trying to interpret two visions. And, I, I mean, I, like I said, I've rewatched this a couple times, and that's why I said my opinion has changed on this. Because J.J.'s was so nostalgia. Ryan Johnson's was trying to be very progressive in it and really trying to take the story into a different direction than from what was established. And I think mm. that that's where the discord is with a lot of fans. Yeah, that's my biggest thing is, like, the story just doesn't mesh very well. Like, if you look – right. if you watch back-to-back, it's like 7, 8. It's like, okay, you can clearly tell two people wrote these movies, like two different mm. people wrote them. Yeah. yeah. And it just depends on how much you like how the other one's written over the other. Like, for me, like I say, the nostalgia factor of – Force Awakens outweighs Return of the or I mean Last Jedi. But I still like the movie, but I just go maybe I don't like it as much. Yeah, it definitely like I said like I'm not going to sit here and say it's awful like I've talked to friends about this. 7 and 8 are both better than 1 and 2 of the prequels oh, by far. in my, by my far. opinion. Like they're they're better. They are better than those two. So like I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh yeah, they're they're worse than No. Um they both have aspects I really like, especially, like I said, the throne room sequence is probably the best laser, um, second to best lightsaber fight, or maybe third, if you count Darth Maul one. Anyways, it's up there in terms of, like, epic fight scenes in the movies. Yeah, no, they It's def- very well done. Yeah, they did a great job with that, albeit, though, they Boba Fetted Captain Phasm. Again. Yep. Yeah, which... I, 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 I Supposedly hate. she comes back in the ninth one. Like I, I guess she's on the cast list. I will thing. say this. Her quote-unquote death scene in 7 I did love because you had the grin on Harrison Ford's face where they're like, oh, what are we going to do with her? And, and Han's like, oh, what if we do this, this trash compactor? And then you get the like wry smile on Finn's face. He goes, yeah, yeah there is. Yeah. But I loved that. But this one just drove me nuts. I'm like, really? You Boba Fetted her. And yeah. she, she was in there for all of like five minutes. Yeah, which I'm like, why? Like she literally marches out out of fire and smoke yeah. flanked by her own stormtroopers who are, who are like, oh, we don't care that there's a droid massacring all of us. We're following our commander into oh, yeah. battle because I mean, she doesn't give a crap. That was one of my gripes where it was like, okay, you, you hyped up and told people, no, don't worry, she's alive, she's alive, she's alive. And I'm like, okay, cool. And she's like I said, she's in there for all of five minutes. I'm like, uh, all right, did you really have to do that? Yeah, I mean, that that's like one of my bigger gripes about the film. And especially like they go through the history of like, Luke Skywalker and why he disappeared on the island. Of- I hate, I hate what they did with Luke. The, again, that's all. It's like he was the guy who believed in his father. That's like you know, Darth Vader can be redeemed. I can do it. Um, I'm sensing some darkness in my nephew. He hasn't actually done anything yet. I'm gonna lop his head off in his sleep. Yeah, like. It's like- Really? And then it's like, yeah, now I'm going to be a grumpy old man on an island. At the same token, though, I feel like him trying to kill Kylo also may, may you know, because so many people, ourselves included, put Luke on this pedestal that he's perfect. He blew up the Death Star in one try. He saved Vader. You know, he, he led the rebellion. He's not as perfect as we might think he is. But the problem with that, I agree with your take, 
But the problem is he had been put on that pedestal yeah. for four, five, and six. Yeah. That, yeah, it's already pre-established. I mean, that's kind of like you take a comic character. Let me throw Spider-Man in there. Sure. Like, all of a sudden, Spider-Man decides to go Venom without the symbiote on him and just, like, try lopping off heads. No one's going to be happy with that. Nobody's buying that. I mean, you have the character that is supposed to represent hope. And that's what he did with his father. It's like, yeah, I can redeem it. It's like, I'm not going to kill my father. And even even the past two Jedi, like Yoda and Obi-Wan, are both like, no, you have to. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but I'm going to go do it to my... Yeah, that, I mean... But I'm going to kill my nephew yeah, so who like, hasn't done anything bad yet. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. It's like they flip the script so much on it, and it just it comes off not connecting. Mm-hmm. That I think that that's where the discord is. Like, I understood what Johnson was going with it, but you can't go a full 180. I would have been more happy if he tried to stop Ben after Ben went evil and couldn't kill his nephew. Yeah. And that's why he's in exile because he believes, like, the rise of the First Order is my fault because I couldn't do what I had to do. That would have made That would have been a lot cooler. Yeah, that would have made so more sense. So it would have been much more like, that's why he doesn't want his lightsaber back. It's like, I'm not touching one of these again. Yes. There needed to be, like, kind of a slow burn for it or maybe a, a more reason than they gave. Like, a better one, I guess, is the word I'm trying to go with. Yeah. Because it just came out so like 180 that I understood what they went through and I really liked that you took a chance with it but after re-watching it a couple times I'm like yeah like I maybe not the best idea and especially you have Luke quote unquote killed off at the end which we'll have to wait and see he's I, coming back as a force ghost that's I, just that's well, my guess it's but, like but to get to where we are now we've covered a lot of ground so let me just close oh, yeah. out this segment and with what are your top three just say them mm-hmm. for me Empire, New Hope, Force Awakens. Okay. Brian? Empire, Return of the Jedi, New Hope. Uh, for me, Revenge. Uh, damn it. We'll, we'll tie New Hope and Rogue One together. We'll just do that. End it. Josh, your turn. Uh, I'm going to say Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, and then um, A New Hope. So we went through the entire lineage. We are getting ready to talk Rise of Skywalker opinions. We don't know any spoilers, so we're not going to ruin anything. If we get it right, we get it right. But we're going to take a quick break, jump back into it. So hit us up on hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the Skywalker saga thus far? What has really resonated with you? What have you not liked about it? Let's have the conversation, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, send us one at Book of Lies Podcast at gmail.com. Okay? Bye bye. Hey, this is Rob Kacharek from the band 607, Autopilot Off, and Walking Distance, and you're listening to ODPH.
coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, talking Star Wars, getting you all hyped up for Rise of Skywalker that's hitting movie theaters in the U.S. on Thursday night as we record. So we are going to be talking predictions. Now, we are ducking spoilers like if we were in the Force, Mm -hmm. and we are trying to make sure that we are not spoiling anything for you. We've covered the trailers on the show, so we are just going to give our opinions of Mm -hmm. what we think is going to happen in Episode Nine. So, Pat, why don't you start us off? Uh, I think we're going to get quite possibly the best battle sequence in the nine film saga. I realize and I agree that the opening sequence for uh, Revenge of the Sith is a really good battle sequence and really cool to watch. Just from seeing the trailers with the endless line of Star Destroyers and then you get the, you know, the massively conglomerated group of, you know, resistance fighters and all that. I think we're setting up for one of the best battle sequences ever. Brian? I would agree with that. Um, And I think that would be better in terms of like... um, like you have like a massive battle to really end it all, not just like focusing on like three people. Like you'll focus on characters throughout the massive battle, but like it's just this grand scope of things. It's like, yeah, you're following main characters, but you realize at the end of the day, it's like this battle to end all battles. Like it's so much bigger than just the main characters. I'll say, I think the only thing I might be able to equate it to is if you read the seventh Harry Potter book where you, you're going through and it's the big final battle in the book and like you you know you're seeing characters from previous books get mentioned now they're not getting full you know dialogue sequences and explanations and this that but like you're still seeing them you're still seeing I like I think that'd be cool to see with this you're where like, like yeah you're following Harry but like you just realize how much more is at stake yeah he's like looking at all these people that he knows throughout all the books yeah it's like some of them he even just watches them get killed in front yeah. of him it's like I think that would be the best way to do like this huge battle. Yeah, and I think the other cool thing would be like because we've seen the ghost from Star Wars Rebels is in the in the trailers for the bat, the big battle sequence. I think the other cool thing would be to maybe you know some of the other fighters or characters that might be still around at this time show up for like all right, listen, everything's on the line here. We can't sit on the sidelines. It'd be a fun. Um It'd be like a fun cameo scene. Yeah, like that's a good time to do it. That's it's one of those things that like for the for the folks like myself and and Brian and others who have seen some of those animated series or even video games or whatever it ends up being. It'd be fun for those folks to like. Oh, hey, there's that, and it's just one thing that like it might. Baby Yoda saves the day. Oh, that'd be amazing. Crushes. Um, the lead flagship and just saves everyone. Oh, that'd be amazing. And then the Mandalorian just nods and puts a transmission to the rebellion. That'd be amazing. This is the way. I am hoping for this film that we get a proper closure sure. to the saga. That too. That's I don't want to have this become a they drop the ball moment. Mm-hmm. That I think that J.J. Abrams coming back to the films. And this was already discussed too. I mean, when they originally were planning out 7, 8, 9. So this isn't like he's coming back to save the franchise because of the very polarizing reaction Ryan Johnson got and I mean especially any talk of petition to take this The Last Jedi out of canon okay and then I just is like even me who didn't really like Last Jedi it's like guys it's part of the it's part of the saga let's see what happens from it like just stop acting like oh if we try hard I'll be it's like just stop okay yeah i just want to see that we get a proper closure maybe some more development of ray sure and obviously we're going to find out her uh family line i am still going to go on the limb and say she is connected to obi-wan and yeah. not the skywalkers but obviously with the rise of skywalker you got to think you know they're going to hollywood it out i could honestly um in a way i wouldn't mind if she- 
Kylo was telling the truth that she is from nobody because it would be kind of like, all right, but Rise of Skywalker just like, all right. It's obviously going to tie into them somehow. I like the mystery behind it because when Last Jedi came out, there was a lot of people who went, oh, what could he mean? What does he mean? The Last Jedi. And I'm like, there's literally one Jedi left in the entire galaxy. Like, hello. Yeah, I, I like the I, mis- I like I the mystery. I didn't get that either. Like, like, just what people are like, well, who's the Last Jedi? Who's like, the Last Jedi? It, you know, the Will, the, Will Smith, right the Will Smith meme. Hello. Like, I like the mystery with this, like, Rise of Skywalker. What could this mean? You know, what, is it, what does it mean for the galaxy? Um, yeah. The other thing I have is, and this is where JJ's coming back from what we said with um, Force Awakens. This one, I don't want him to do just a bunch of fan service, like tiebacks to nostalgia. Like, okay, it has to close the trilogy out, the Skywalker saga in general. Don't just make this a fan service movie. Like, I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, they did that, 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 which while I'll like it, no doubt, probably while I'm watching it, it's going to be one of those movies, though, when you think back on it, you're like, Okay, that was just in there for fan service. It didn't relate. Like, I want it to be a good story that just, like, it does maybe finally flush out some of the characters that when you watch 7, 8, and then 9, like, watch all three of them together, you realize, like, okay, this is what they were. Like, I also don't want the movie, I realize I have a lot of wants for this, but going off of the remake of Last Jedi, I also hope the movie just doesn't try to retcon Last Jedi for the sole purpose to make fans happy. Yeah, because I don't think you're going to make fans happy. No. I, and I, I know that kind of sounds redundant. You'll but You'll probably get fans, and maybe this is what you're thinking, who, okay, they didn't like this in Last Jedi, but you tried to fix it, but you didn't fix it the way they wanted to, therefore they hate your movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the problem is I don't think you're going to please everybody with this. No. But you're not going to please everybody with everything you do. No. You have to make the best vision that you see possible. This is what directors do. This is what writers do. Mm-hmm. We as fans are going to have our opinions no matter what. If it if they stick the landing, they stick the landing. Yeah. That's what I, at the end of the day, I think that's what I want more than anything. Yeah, I just want to get out of this film and say, okay. It's done. Yeah, I'm done. Like, yeah. there's nothing left. Yeah. I can talk about this for, you know, the end of time. But I went to it. I witnessed it. Yeah. And it was what it was, and I'm not mad about it because I don't want to go in there and just get involved in in too many discussions about, okay, this is why this failed, this is why this is awful. I mean, I want to just kind of have some time to absorb it. it. Or what did this scene mean that they didn't – that was mentioned? It's like, okay, look, I don't want a bunch of questions at the end of this. It's like I need it to be like this – as you said – you walk out and you're like, regardless of what you think, you do know, okay, that was that was it. That was, like, if you like the movie or not, you know, okay, yeah. it's done. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I want to go in with. I want to have closure. I want to have some I want to have some fan service for me just to tie in the 40 years it's been connected yeah. with this film. I wouldn't mind, like, don't get me wrong, I want some fan service. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, I, it's I, just, I don't want the movie to be carried by it. Yeah. Well, I, well to my knowledge, the only fan service we're going to get, and this isn't a spoiler by any means, as has been said, is that John Williams has come out and said that you're going to hear themes from over the course of Star Wars. Now, it's not going to be blatant and overt. You might have to listen a little bit for it. But, you know, Leia's theme, you might hear, well, okay, bad example. You're going to hear Leia's theme. But, like, you're going to hear some of the classic themes over the course of the, you know, the nine films in this in this film. I have listened to the soundtrack, and I'm not going to spoil what themes they are. Josh is correct with that. It's like they are in there. Some of them are definitely like, okay, it's a couple beats from it that, 
it's in there. It's more like I don't know what the scenes are that these play for. That's kind of the thing, though. So you're sort of like, well, I don't really know what's going yeah. on. Um, but my biggest one is in terms of fan service. Palpatine is coming back for the movie. That's been announced in the trailers. Yeah, that's already been confirmed. Yeah. Um, I don't want him to be the fan service of the big villain was just Palpatine. We threw him in there like, okay, Snoke obviously was somebody. Palpatine's now showing up in the final movie. It's like, okay, you have to – I guess I do have high expectations. Like, don't just shoehorn, shoehorn Palpatine. They're like, oh, yes, I was the villain all along. But you know what? I'd be okay with it because that would be so House of Cards – like that he's been setting this up the entire time. I'd be okay. I don't with care it. if it's that. Like if he actually had, like you he reveals basically like his whole plan. Uh, yeah, like yeah. yeah. I just don't want it to be oh yeah, they were listening to Palpatine the whole time. No, yeah, well, I got that, that's more where I'm at. Like if he can reveal like I was behind it all, it's like oh shit. No, yeah, like I'd be okay with that if like it turns out that he was behind it the whole time and he tells a story and, and his his reasoning for that. I'd be, I'd be okay with that. That's it. It's like there what has I, to be a reason for it. I, what I wouldn't be okay with if is he just shows that he was like, yeah, you know what? I didn't die in the end of the end of the, at the one point you all thought I didn't. You know what? I just decided to chill someplace else in the galaxy. You know, you know what? I got bored. I ran out of crossword puzzles to do. And I just decided, oh, you know what, I'm going to try and take over the galaxy again. No, no, like if he he gives an explanation and a reason, and here's what my whole thought process was because it's a movie. The villain's going to monologue yeah. at some point. It's I'll also be okay the with Emperor. That. He's he is the king at monologues. Yeah, and Ian McDermott does a good job at yeah, it. He it's does. like, and that's the thing is like, if they can explain it good, it's like I would love that. That's like you know what, in all three trilogies. Palpatine was the one behind all of it, but just mm-hmm. like when he's coming in the last installment and you haven't mentioned him in seven or eight, like at all, because well, everyone thinks he's dead. It's like he has to have a good reason for coming back, like a good explanation. Well, I mean, he got a mention in eight, but you didn't see him or they didn't mention him. It like, was a throwaway line. It was a throwaway line. It wasn't in the living sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's where what I meant. It's like no one hinted that he's yeah, yeah, alive. Yeah. 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 It's something like you had to really pay attention for, like when that happened. So I was like, okay. But I just want to go in with this, and I want to be entertained, and I want to yeah. be reminded, like, why Star Wars matters. And, like, to see the good guys beat evil, you know, because obviously we could use some of that in this day, day and age. Beat the, beat the bad guys, throw a party. Yeah, except no Ewoks. Shoot off fireworks. No Ewoks. I, that, and that's another thing. I don't... I'm not a big fan of porgs or. Oh, they were stupid. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think all of us wanted the one porg to turn the lightsaber on and then like chop his friend up. Yeah. I also laughed when Chewie was blatantly eating a porg in front of the porgs. I'm like, yeah, hey, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, some of those moments that just remind you of why the space odyssey is so epic and so resonating. And like I say, it it hasn't gone old in 40 plus years now. No. That it's still connecting and still. And starting new fandom, and that's why if you can really sell like why the it's like how the emperor, how Palpatine Sidious the emperor was behind all of this, it's like that makes it that would make him like pro- he already is like one of the better villains because he orchestrated yeah. everything in yeah. the Clone Wars. He fooled an entire galaxy of people. Yeah, yeah, and it's like all of a sudden then when he thought he was done, it's like no, he still had plans. It's like you know I the First Order was not it was my plan all along. Mm-hmm. Like. That would be awesome. Like, you just have it all tied in. That adds to the Skywalker saga. The fact, like, it always has been Palpatine, like, as the thorn in the galaxy. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. Oh, if they pull that, that'd be (laughs) incredible. Wrestling term, Bri. Uh Uh-huh. So, to close this out, we're going to do our traditional one-shots, but we're going to mix it up. Sure. So, what I've challenged the panel is, let's mention something not movie-related, but Star Wars-related. Sure. 
the our listeners go check out. So, Pad, you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, I'm going to mention one of the Star Wars television shows, and that is they're they're all great. They're all good, you know. But if I had to say, go watch this television series it would have to be star wars the clone wars that you know for as much as the prequels get knocked and i understand a lot of it i feel like the clone wars adds a little bit something extra to that if your complaint is i don't understand anakin's turn to the dark side i feel it was too quick you know it doesn't make any sense go watch the clone wars there is a lot in there that you can sit there and go okay no you you know what that makes sense i realize that if you go to starwars.com or search it there's a chronological watch uh you know article about what order you should watch them if you want to watch them in chronologically just watch them in the order they were released it's a lot easier that way start with the movie you know you the they came out in theaters you know that's uh are the movie and the television series are all on disney plus go watch that it's amazing it's you know it gets better as the seasons go on i agree with that and my biggest part i love the most is after you watch clone wars when you then watch revenge of the sith yeah the fight between after watching all of the Clone Wars, the fight between Anakin and Obi Wan has so much more weight behind it because yeah, you really see the friendship that they had. There's a scene in one of the episodes where, timeline wise, it's closer to Attack of the Clones than it is to Revenge of the Sith, where they're trying, you know, they being Obi Wan, Mace Windu, and Anakin are trying to track something down to find someone and and poggle the lesser is there one of the confederacy guys you know gene ocean is there he knows where this stuff is but he's not talking mm. and they can't figure out how to do it they can't get it out of him so anakin's like i got this i'm taking care of this walks in there and straight up just chokes the guy to the point where he almost dies and they he comes back with the information and obi-wan's like wait how did you get this information and anakin tries to brush it off going listen don't worry about it i have the information let's go plus there's also plenty of mandalorian action with the death watch very true if you're a fan of mandalorians you will love that series hey talk to me all right bry how about you all right i'm gonna go with the comics and i'm gonna kind of do a quick review of a new comic that just was released uh today i picked it up i read it right before we popped in the studio Star Wars The Rise of Kylo Ren is a new miniseries from Charles Soule. Uh, you sold me on that one. Who I met the guy briefly at Comic-Con when my brother picked up uh, his Soule's first two volumes of his Vader run, which is very good. That takes place right after um, Revenge of the Sith. And if you're into comics, I highly recommend that series. Um, and he said that he was doing this. And I'm like, all right, I'm really excited for this new series. Um the comic is all right. Uh, it definitely it raises a lot more questions than it gives answers, but it's the first in a miniseries. Sure, so I, sure. I am going to try to go in with an open mind. It's like, okay, it'll be explained. My biggest thing is it's like it doesn't explain how Kylo met Snoke. He already meets him, and apparently Snoke used the dark side of the Force to um, orchestrate Kylo's downfall, but we just don't know how he did that yet. But it still also keeps showing my uh, his – like Kyle, uh, Ben at this point, because he's not Kylo yet, he has to earn the title. It's It just shows him still conflicted with being dark. And that's, I guess, another thing I have going into Rise of Skywalker. It's like, I really hope he, they have his character fixed on one point. He's sure. not going back and forth, light and dark through the whole movie. But um, the artwork's very good for the comic. I do recommend it. It definitely is raising a lot of questions. The Knights of Ren are in it, and it's Ooh. meant to show kylo joining the knights of ren all right so it does have them in there and they kind of look like a cross between a biker gang and a bunch of death troopers that's the best <laughs> way i can describe the look at a look of them and you learn what the knights of ren mean what is Ooh. ren because ren has always been that was announced before force awakens kylo's title of ren is a it, it's a title it's not it's kind of like darth it's not actually part of darth vader's name it's darth is his title 
and you learn what the Ren is. And, and I will say, just to, just to springboard off of what you're talking about, if you're a Star Wars fan and a comics fan, if you pick up anything Star Wars by Charles Soule, it is worth your money. Yeah. yeah. The entire relaunch that they've done on Marvel uh, comics for Star I've Wars. I've been a lot... I've been a big fan of a lot of more of their miniseries. Not, yes. Not so much their, um, I will say, like their flagship one, like the actual Star Wars run, which is like bridging the gap between New Hope and Empire. Now they're going to go Empire and Jedi. That that I haven't been a huge fan of, but like all of the spinoffs, like the they've had two Vader series. They had a Maul one that was okay. The Vader ones are amazing. Um, the... Those more like the side ones. If you find those, I feel like are the more interesting. Yeah. Like the small self-contained stories are much more entertaining. Oh yeah, yeah. I have to agree with that. I mean, and I think more big is the the big problem. I think with the comics like bridging four and five. Okay, that's a three-year time gap. You gotta close. It's like that's not easy to do, and mm-hmm. and they're not. It's not an awful story. I'm just like it's nothing like amazing like there's better books out there sure. in my opinion yeah i mean the one thing about star wars which uh, translates from the film to paper is their comics line have always been very well done like marvel has done a great job dark horse did a great job yeah. too when dark they had horse if you ever want one it's called son of dothamir mm. it plays off of uh josh's clone wars here it shows what happened to maul after the clone wars and it is the one canon comic to have carried over from dark horse when Marvel um decide when Marvel and Disney decided to reboot the whole timeline, they said no, Son of Dothmir, this comic is still canon. Right, because yeah. if I remember right, they rebooted the canon. That comic was still coming; it had yet to come out, and they went on record and said, "No, don't worry, this is going to be canon." So, I mean, that's awesome if you're into comics to go check out. I mean, the Star Wars lines have always been well yeah. So, and even the Marvel stuff too. Charles Soule is an amazing writer. Yeah. So check and out. They always his- have in both of his like the Vader series and even this Kylo Ren one. They pair him with very good authors. Um, not the same one, but like they always the the Star Wars books always have very good artwork in my opinion. That yeah. also adds to it. Yeah, yeah. So definitely go check that out at your local comic shops because that's a great place to go find and even support, talk to more fandom. Support your local businesses. Heck yes. So go see Justin at Sound Go Round. We'll give a free plug for him because he's a big supporter of the show. Yes. And obviously, just go to your local comic shop because you'll interact with fellow fans. You're gonna like. Be you're gonna be picking up probably the same comic as someone else that you don't even know. And it's like you're gonna talk about what you want to see in it or like the latest issue in a series. It's just fun to banter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, definitely get down and support your local comic shops. For my one shots for it, um, I guess I would have to recommend the video game line mm-hmm. and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yes, that just came out, yes. which has been amazing. Yes. I can't do enough justice for it, so I'm gonna give another plug to our good friend Tom over at Off the Cuff Gaming. Uh, he's been doing it on his web on his YouTube page. We have the link on OchoDuroParleyHour.com under the ODPH directory. Go check it out and give him some feedback. The game looks amazing. I need to play it. Yeah, I trying to put it into words is tough for me, but I think it looks just visually impressive. I, I've watched my brother uh, John, the captain of the uh, ODPH Street Crew. Um, I've watched him play it, and it is like. All right, I really got to get that at some point. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks absolutely amazing. And I'll give another plug for The Mandalorian. We've been covering it here on the ODPH. It's so good. The newest episode came out uh, today as we record. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I have to catch up, so no spoilers here. Um, no, I just on today's episode, I, I've caught up to everything okay. else prior. Um, Pedro Pascal has been acting his tail off. Yeah. I mean, just the I job they've say, done. I like, I think last, last week's episode and even the week before that are probably the weakest episodes 
They're in no way bad though. No, they're like the weakest of a great batch. Like it's just kind of it's kind of like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, it's one of the best animated shows that's ever come out. There's definitely some weaker episodes, but even those are like never bad. Mandalorian's the same thing. I've never sat through an episode and been like, yeah, that was awful. It's like I've more been like, okay, that wasn't as great as say this one, but well, see, I enjoyed, last, the, last I week's enjoyed epi- the heck out of it. Last week's episode you can very easily skip and not really miss anything. That's more my thing. But it, it's like, still amazing. The action's all very well done. It's just it's very it was probably the most forgettable of the episodes. Well, you know, the thing that I take away from the Mandalorian, I mean, this is kind of be a good way to close out the show, is for 40 years of Star Wars mythos that one of the characters that came in and has a very unique cult following, and I admit I drink the Kool-Aid as Boba Fett. Same. To see how he has translated, and obviously they haven't brought him back into the movies as of yet, mm-hmm. which I'll mark out if he's, in, if he's in Rise. I will freak out. But to see how his legacy has transcended into the small screen and for the Mandalorian to take off and take his origin and really kind of run in a different direction with it and have it connect with fans who, like I say, might not necessarily have grown up on the movies, mm-hmm. but have grown up enough that they can recognize the quality of the work. And you can say it's it's the best Western out, which I know uh, I've talked with Derek from 3FN. He's talked about it as well. And Rich, yeah. Rich as well. I mean, they cover the show as well over on 3 Fat Nerds. Just to see how it's, it's played out, I mean, how they tie in the different elements. I know the biggest comparison I've, I've heard is Lone Wolf and Cub. Right, yeah. You know, that comic. Yeah, that. Um, I've also seen I've seen that one. I've also, and this is more my own thought of when the thing first came out, I definitely think it is the Star Wars version of Firefly. I am fully satisfied with calling it that because both of those are awesome. Like, Mandalorian's amazing. And if Firefly was inspiration for it, then just adds to how great that show was. Yeah, and just to see the production value they've done. And, I mean, they've oh, inspired. Yeah, it's not cheap. They've inspired no. Baby Yoda Mania, yeah. which is obviously out of control all the memes yeah i don't even care about the merchandise the memes themselves are amazing yeah yeah i mean just everything involved in that show is just really kind of extended what we as fans know about the series it's the space odyssey that has really transcended time and and really connected with every fan that you can think about on a a different level and Mm -hmm. this is why these movies are so important and if this is going to be the next generation of star wars i'm perfectly fine with that yeah so that being said the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They're big Star Wars fans. In fact, I know a couple of them are going uh, Thursday night as well. Yep. So definitely go support them. You can find them on ochoduroparleyhour.com slash music. You can find links to all their social media. You can find out about Fair City Fire, Crimson Brethren, Floodlands, Honker, Walking Distance, all the great music you hear on the ODPH podcast. You can also check out on ochoduroparleyhour.com the ODPH directory. Now, we already talked about off-the-cuff gaming, and you should go check out Tom. He's going to be back in January talking a little Crisis on Infinite Earth Fallout, which I can't wait to get jumping back into. And you can also find out about friends of the show, such as Three Fat Nerds. We talked about them. They're a great podcast. You need to check them out. You can hear about Horizon 607. You know, shout out to Mike C. And you know 8122 Productions is on Patreon right now. Uh-huh. Now, let me tell you this, Bri. I can't even give a spoiler description about Love is Scary with Diesel and Mike C. It's behind a paywall for a reason. Uh-huh. You've, I've heard I've heard rumors of such a show. <laughs> yes. Derek Uncensored. It's a scary thing. Is a scary thing. And let alone, he did tell me what the premise for episode two is going to be. I can't even say it on air. I want to, but I'm not behind a paywall. Yeah. I can't even get into it, but... You, we like our job here. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to be able to broadcast on most of the networks we're on, and, th- and so thank you for supporting us, too. Uh, 
what can I say about this show? You're going to have to hear it to believe it yourself. And that's not safe for work, and NC-17 ratings don't do it justice. No, it doesn't. Adult-only rating for video games doesn't do it justice. It's absolutely freaking wild. Like, I'm a, I am have heard it. I'm a subscriber. Uh, it's the best dollar I've spent in the month because I'm on the low-tier pay plan to jump on. Uh, let me tell you, the it's for $1 a month, it is the best deal you will have all year. Let alone you can jump to the three-tier level, which they are still adding more stuff to, which Ooh. I'm probably going to bump up at some point. Either way, 8122productions.com. You need to go find the Patreon link. You need to get this in your life because it needs to be added to it. Oh, yeah. I think Brian's trying to check that link out right now. I can't even do justice. I, maybe we'll have to see if we can get a uh, promo from Rich for it because I can't, I can't even talk about it. I want to, but I can't because we're just not NC-17 over here in the ODPH. But also on OchoDoroParleyHour.com, you can find all the links to the lists of great groups that we are part of. Obviously, hashtag 607 podcast. Pod Nation, what's going on? And obviously, shout out to the Next Wave, the first one we were ever introduced to. We are so proud to be members of all those follow podcaster groups. And if you want to find out about that, podchaser.com. And it's links to all the lists and everywhere you find the ODPH. Plus, Parlay Points, which you can find Mr. Brian Rose's comics blog. Hey, that's me. And you can find also a complimentary blog to the podcast each and every week. In fact, I'm going to be doing one this week because we definitely deep dived into Star Wars. But I got to talk a little Watchmen. There was, was a huge week at the comic shop. Doomsday Clock 12. Holy smokes, man. And Last Night on Earth, number three. Let alone Batman 85. DC had a ridiculously strong week. Well, and you Netflix, yeah. Well, on the Netflix, you got Witcher coming out this week. And then yep. you've also got Lost in Space Season 2 coming out next week. I mean, it's absolutely a wild week going into Christmas. We're so. going to be going into hiber- nerd hibernation. Uh-huh. Yeah. So obviously, we're going to be hitting the blogs pretty hard this weekend. So definitely stay tuned for that. OchoDuroParleyHour.com is where you find out everything that is the ODPH. Because that's all I got for this week. So for Brian Rhodes. The Force will be with you. For Padawan Always. J. I have spoken. I'm your host, Ken M. Live long and prosper? No. Shots that fired. is not the way. <laughs> That's not the way. But, you know, may the force be with everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.